Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Creatives of Windsor podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Sherdown, and today I'm sitting down with Dan from the Dan McDonald Show on AM800. Hey, hey. Dan, thanks for coming on. Oh, I'm, I'm so pumped to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's so always excited. great. That's always great chatting with you, so I'm excited, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's weird coming here. I, I Like, just coming down your street, I actually thought, like, I was like, am I nervous? I'm like, why am I nervous? It's Anthony, and, like, I do this for a living. <laughs> I was like, stop, Dan. What the heck? So, yeah, it's really, really cool to be here. That's Super actually cool. really cool to, like, kind of hear you say that. It makes me feel a little bit better because I'm always kind of nervous doing these too. Oh so yeah. If you get nervous after all this time, then that makes me feel a little bit better. Like good nervous. <laughs> I think it's good. It means you care, right? Like nervous slash excited, just like anxious, like, Oh, I can't wait to do this. But it's like, I want to go do it right. You know? Yeah, so. no, that's how I feel about, um, like every time I shoot a wedding, I'm like very confident. I'm not worried about anything, but I'm always like, so anxious the day before and like leading up to it yeah until i get there and then it's like and then you're good yeah you're in your zone yeah i had that last night i did a little thing at the capitol theater for the rosalie tremblay tribute yep and i was like nervous like oh boy uh, the whole day and then when i got there it's like this is great like it was it was perfect like happy place you know yeah for sure yeah because yeah, then you're just doing your thing yeah yeah i think you're right though yeah it just means you care about you want it to go well like, yeah yeah for sure so what did you do there last night what was it oh it was that well i saw you at the the statue unveiling down mm -hmm. by the river so that that night at the capitol theater we hosted um, an event with tim tremblay rosalie's son who was speaking at the statue unveiling and uh three of the uh three of the people who worked with rosalie so it was uh Ted the Bear Richards, he was like a DJ from back in the day. Pat Holiday, also a programmer, DJ on the Big Eight from back in the day. And Les Garland, who was the program director at the time with Rosalie. And he was fascinating too because he went on to be a co-founder of MTV, like oh, the wow. original MTV. And it's weird because the clock that they used for the hour, every hour in radio has like a clock. They call it like a schedule of when ads go and when you talk, when music goes. The clock for the classic CKLW Big Eight he liked it so much. This is how you knew it was a magic thing. When he founded MTV, he took the CKLW clock and based MTV, the original, the good classic MTV around that clock. Like, no way. Who knew about that link? You know what I mean? That that was based here at CKLW from Windsor. That was the clock for MTV. That's that's like, super cool. Yeah, it blew my mind. So we did a little talk there. We, it was a listening party. We played music at the Capitol Theater. And uh, then we just talked with these these legendary guys about that era. We played R&B music from back in the day and how Rosalie crossed over a lot of R&B artists into the top 40. Then we played Canadian artists. Then we played rock and roll. Then we played pop. Then we played like so stories that never get old. And we played like a song by, say, Kiss. And then somebody told how they helped break the song Beth by Kiss. We talked about Bob Seger, how she helped break Bob Seger. It was Elton John. We talked about, like, and it was just, it was listening and then storytelling. It was so much fun. So that, I was just, I didn't even have a script. I was like, let's just play music, and I'm going to ask you nerdy questions, yeah. and you guys have endless stories. That's all the night was. It was so much fun. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Yeah, it was really cool. When she was on the radio, was she in the same building that you're in now? Well, briefly. So she was the program director. So she was never actually a DJ even. She was just the program director. Oh, okay. So she was, um, originally the, the building was on uh, the riverfront. It was uh, the old, C the CBC building now. Yep. Like this, that, that, that was the original Big 8. Then it got moved in the 70s to the building we're in now. So yes, a lot of it did take place in the building that in now so it's okay it's cool walking in there like every day when i say hey you're listening to am 800 cklw when i say cklw a little part of my brain still goes like like i'm excited about this like every day every time i say it i think i can't believe i'm saying those call letters like it, it's so cool to me yeah that's super cool because like i'm sure you grew up listening to oh yeah well i was stations. i was just before 
Like, I was just after, I should say, like, the golden age of CKLW. Like, it kind of ended in 1984. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the radio then. I wasn't really sure what a- what CKLW was, yeah. but I, I just switched around the radio. But I was absolutely listening to a vinyl record called CKLW Solid Gold that my mom let me use. So it was all those songs. So in a way, like... I don't remember it, but I was still moved and inspired by all that music, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it's just a huge thrill to me, like, being a kind of a, a small teensy, teensy part of that. Different radio station altogether now, completely. But uh, but it's still cool to be, you know, saying CKLW every day. For sure. Yeah. You think you're a teensy part, but, like, you've been on the radio for a long time now. Like, there's kids that grew up and, like, you're that DJ to them, right? <laughs> it makes me feel old. No. <laughs> <laughs> Without making but, you feel old. But it is true. Like, people definitely look at you as their inspiration, like, over the past however many years you've been on that station. Yeah, that, that yeah. blows my mind a little bit. Like, <laughs> it, it really does. But I hear that, too, you know, like, being on the river for a long time, 93.9. Uh, one guy the other day was telling me, he's like, well, when I was in high school, school I won tickets from you and I was like oh my god and I kind of thought geez I've, I guess I have been doing this for a little bit it's it's honestly it's really weird to hear that but it's really cool too like I, I love hearing that that someone's saying you were that guy because I had DJs that I got to work with like you know Vince Canova was a huge I loved him Ganep, Greg Ganep. um who else uh Christina who did Time Warp like she used to blow my mind and when I got hired at the station uh even before I was in the radio I was hired as a writer Seeing all those people, I really had to compose myself and be don't fanboy, yeah. like just be like, oh hi, very nice to meet you. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm like, oh my god, inside it's Christina, it's Vince Canova. You know what I mean? It was even Lynn Martin, Mike and Lisa. Like I listened to them all the time, so it was, it was like me being a fanboy entering that territory. So to hear that kind of, oh now you're a part of that, that that's really really cool. It yeah, makes me so happy. I could imagine. So every time it's funny. Every time I think about like how a radio studio is or what it's like, the only time I've ever been in one was with you in 2016 when you had me in the the River Booth. Yeah, that's like the only time I've ever been in a real radio studio. Actually, get out! Yeah. No way! I'm happy that I'm the guy because <laughs> you were talking about your art show coming up, that the photo- photography show, and the yeah. art show was playing. I think. Yep. Yeah, that yeah. was my first show ever. Get out! Yeah, yeah that was your first show. Yeah. That was a good one too. Because you were still my teacher at that time. Wow, now I feel old. That, that, that's right, I was. I, I forgot about that. That's right. It, was it not a podcasting class? It, yeah, you taught me podcasting. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was and now you, you're on my podcast. Now I'm on your po- holy full circle mind blown. And it was nothing like this. You've definitely, your leaps, you could teach that class now. You really could. Your podcast is amazing. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you. No, I yeah. really appreciate it. That yeah. means a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you had me in there, it was for it was for here now. Right. Is here now done? No, it's still, okay. I still do here now. It's a different time zone though. Cause it was on the river then, which is like solid music station. The river is no more. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is still on AM 800 CKLW. And it's funny because I was going through the Wikipedia page of CKLW the other day and just flipping through just so I was kind of up on the history to make sure I had my dates right for the event. Just, you never know. You want to be up on it. Mm-hmm. And I was just flipping through and I saw the rise of the big eight, the fall of the big eight, the evolution of how it happened. And then I was reading the history. I'm like, okay, now this is probably the era where I'm in it. You know what I mean? It didn't mention me. Then there was a section that said echoes of the big eight and i was like oh what's this and it said in 2015 a music show called here and now and i was like i'm on the wikipedia page and it said it's the first music show since that time and it said uh it said like it's kind of now they're a full service station i thought wow i didn't realize here and now had a wikipedia entry on cklw but we are still there playing local music every saturday night from 10 to 11 so i i get to pick that playlist full carte blanche and that's that's still really cool it's a different time slot it's different because it's on am and am is like a predominantly talk radio yeah but it's still cool that i get to like i have a music show on cklw with local yep. music so it, it's fun yeah and you every week you do it and you find new music every week and you go through and just I, I do a lot of a lot of like 
repeat artists, but honestly, I usually kind of have a rule where I don't play the same artist twice in a week, like mm-hmm. twice a week. I always switch it up. People are always sending me new music. There's always at least one song that's making a debut every week where it's never, the artist hasn't been played, the song hasn't been played. Uh, and it's fun stuff. And I, I do pick too. I don't just play anything. Like, you of can, course, yeah. Like, it's not like oh, you can record a, a song, like, you know, on your phone and send it to me. I'm not going to play it. Like, it, yeah. I kind of, there's, I, I like I'm a little bit snobby. I'm like, well, this is actually good. You know, I'll play this, oh, this, and I kind of say, oh, maybe not right, the, not the right fit right now. If it's not a fit, and yeah, for pe- sure. People are cool with that. You know what I mean? If it's not a fit, it's not a fit. Yeah, just but keep working and yeah, we'll get keep there. Going at it, yeah, yeah, it's good. But honestly, we're so lucky here in Windsor. That's one thing I've learned. I was big into the music scene for years since the '90s here. Yep. And uh, it, it, um, the talent that we had, I feel like in the '90s we were like this with such amazing talent. Then, like the early 2000s. It was good, but it, it wasn't as on the incline as it was. And then I feel like in 2010, 11, it just erupted again. And the local talent and the production value, everything upped its game. And like the music that was flooding in was unreal. And that's kind of how, like what part of the reason why Here and Now started. It was just, it was so radio ready. Yeah. Like to go. I, it's, I always say this. I've always felt this way. I, I started getting into like the Windsor music scene in probably like 2014, like right when I turned 19. Yep. Um, and like I've always said, like Windsor, across like almost every single genre, our music is great. Yeah. Like almost every show that you go to is like it's gonna be great. Everybody's it, awesome. You know what's so funny? And I talk to other people from different places, even Toronto, Toronto, like cool Mecca, Toronto, and. Windsor has a weird flavor, not weird, weird in a good way, yep. a, a unique flavor. I should say not weird. They have a really unique flavor where I feel like we take it for granted here in Windsor. Like, I don't think it's a matter of, we don't know what you got till it's gone. The venues, like they're tiny, you know, fog lounge is teensy tiny villains is tiny. It's, it's not like a venue venue. Like they have in Detroit right across the, the, the river from us, yeah. but the caliber of shows that we get that we can just walk into and the access we have to these artists, it blows my mind. I went and saw, oh, what band was it? It was The Kills, the band The Kills in Detroit. And this really cool artist named Scout Niblet opened up. She's from the UK. And I was blown away by her. I didn't know who she was. I even emailed the band after. I said, hey, you had this artist. I think she was wearing a wig. I'm not even sure what her name was, but she was amazing. Who is she? They wrote me back saying it was Scout Niblet. I'm like, I got to get everything she's ever done. So I went out and bought her album. She had a few. I'm not kidding you. Two weeks later, random walk into Fog Lounge, Scout Niblet no is way. on stage. And I'm like, you just blew my mind at the kills at the Magic Stick. Jack White was at that show. Like, he did was you see there. him there? I did see him there. He was standing next to me. He's very tall in real life. Okay, everybody always says that, that, that that's met him, is he's like tall. He's like as tall as me, I think. Uh, he is. As t- I was going to say, he's probably about as tall as you. Yeah, he, he, he towered tall. over me. Yeah, because yeah, you're what six, six four, six four. Yeah, he's he, he's tall. I don't know exactly how tall he is, but he towered over me. Yeah. But yeah, the kill the kills show was it the it was the kills. Like that was my draw from that, which was like <laughs> not the that was not the draw. But, but yeah. it is wild because he's larger than life. Usually, you see people that are so. I mean, I love Jack White, and you meet them, and they're they're smaller. Yeah, than Yeah, we you. thought he was smaller. Like I yeah. thought he was a smaller guy, but nope. No, he's not. a tall guy. But I was standing <laughs> next to him, and I looked, and I have very bad eyes, especially in dark uh, yeah. dark rooms. And I looked, and I was like. And not a lot of people were there yet. And I'm like, that can't be like next to me. And I was like, no, I'm like, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm like, is it? So I was trying not to stare. And then my friend, I saw her kind of look and she's like, Dan, is that Jack White next to you? I was like, no. And I looked, I'm like, oh my God, it's totally Jack White. Did you like talk to him or not? Very briefly. I said, oh, hey, I'm a big fan of your music. And I I tried to play it really cool. And he's like, hey, thanks. Then he kind of started getting swarmed by people as more people came. Mm -hmm. So he went to the back and you can't, but the funny thing is I look back in retrospect 
uh, The Kills, the lead singer, and I can't think of her name right now. He was there to see the band The Kills. Um, he ended up recruiting her for his other band. And I'm trying to think of the name of the band. They had a song called Cuts Like a Buffalo. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. That Jack White's in? That Jack White is in with the lead singer from The Kills. And I thought, I wonder if that was kind of the early stages of the band. Because they were not a thing. Oh, yet. Dead Weather. That's what, thank you, Dead Weather. I was drawing a blank. Is he the drummer? No, he um, sings in that. He sings and she sings. She sings most of the songs. Okay. They sound great together. They harmonize beautifully. But I, I wondered, I'm like, after that, a few years later, the Dead Weather album came out. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if that was a kind of getting to know you type of thing that he was there. So it was cool to be a part of that. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. If I saw him, I don't know, that'd be. Oh. He, in my opinion, like, he's like this generation's like number one rock star. Oh, I agree. He's so talented. He's seeds with music. But it's so neat, like, you know, seeing Scout Niblet at that show where she blew my mind mm -hmm. and then walking into Fog Lounge and there she is with eight people in the audience. I mean, <laughs> there should be more, but at the same time, I was like, how amazing is this that I can sit and have a drink with her after and just chat with her a bit? And it was just, I thought, man, we are so lucky here in Windsor, A, that we have Detroit to go see shows like that and B, that we have Places like Fog Lounge and people who are super passionate with good taste in music who bring in these bands with all the fanfare and we have access to them like that. Like, we're so spoiled. Like, yeah. we are. And I don't think we realize it. Like, if she played Toronto, it would have been this big thing. And we're just, we're strange about our live music. I don't know what it is, but there's there's a different flavor here. There like, is, for sure. Yeah. And a big credit to Tom for, like, oh, everything yeah. he does, bringing in all these people and just, like, so many amazing people have played at Fog. I know like, it's unbelievable and yep. you never know what you're going to get there too. And yep. it's almost like, it's like, is that happening? And it's just like, so like small, just like a post on Instagram and, yeah. and you just like double, you're like, is that serious? Like he's had band, like I saw this band from Japan there and it was like one of the craziest shows I've ever seen. And Oh, uh, it's, it's wild. It's great. He, uh, when he was on the pod, I don't remember if he told me this on the podcast or if he told me this when we were just hanging out, but he, um, cause Tom loves basketball yep. and he went down to new Orleans and he was playing basketball with these guys. He just went to a basketball court and just started playing street ball with these guys and they're like half his age. And then, uh, but he's really good. And he's kind of like, you know, people don't think he's going to be good, but he's pretty good. So anyway, he's playing and, and this guy comes up to him and, um, I guess Tom told him he owns a bar and he has shows and, uh, this guy came up to him and said, I'm a rapper. And Tom was like, oh, I can't wait to hear this dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he showed him he was really good. And then Tom brought him to Fog. Amazing. I love yeah. that. That's, yeah. I, I went to college with, with Tom. Really? Believe it or not, yeah. Did you guys take journalism at St. Clair, too? We did. It was a very, it was not the media flex. It was <laughs> on the main campus. It was very, very different. But, yeah, he was, uh, he was one year ahead of me. And, uh, yeah, we took, uh, we took journalism together. So he was, uh, so I, I knew him, didn't know him super, super well, but we knew each other yeah. and we kind of had things in common and stuff. And then obviously like, you know, he opened fog a couple of years. I think he was doing a magazine for a bit too, but I might be wrong with that. I th maybe not. Maybe. I think he was, I think so. Uh, but I, there was something there, but then, then all of a sudden I heard he was, cause I used to go to the building fog. It was uh, eclectic cafe when I was in high school, I was going there yeah. and then it was a place called lift lounge. And then it became, was it a place? Uh, no, I think then it was fog after that. And like probably close to 20 years. Yeah. Uh, it's oh, gotta be 20 years or, or 18. It was, it was, um, no, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's 20. Oh, that, nah, now I feel old again, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's cool being, I've been literally that space is so cool. And I got to say all the incarnations of it, like fog is just, it's, it's everything it always was all rolled into one and even better. Like it's, it's so cool. I love that place. There's a band, um, from Toronto and now I can't remember the Cherry Garcia band. 
I think that's what they're called. Oh, Jerry called. Garcia, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Don't, yeah. And when they go, I like to go to those shows. Yeah, they're fantastic, yeah. They they always play um, my favorite dead song, too, uh, which is uh, Brown Eyed Woman. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. I always go because they always play that song. And then it's just, like, great to hang out, like, There's just shows. something about fog. It's just, it's very cozy. Like, it's, you just feel at home there. Like, I love it. I love it. What are, um, what are some of your favorite local bands that are currently still putting out music or playing shows or, or mm. doing stuff. Oh man, that's raw. That's I don't a hard put you one. On the spot. No, it's all good. Well, <laughs> uh, it's funny cause some of my favorite local ones have gone on to do really amazing things. Somebody I bumped into at open streets. Windsor was uh flower face. Oh, and I, I was watching, was she down there? She was down at, she was, she wasn't, she was just kind of browsing around. I'm yeah. like, Oh my God. And uh, she's in Montreal. She's signed to network record label and she has a, a new record coming out soon. And I can't really say much more than that, but I'm so, I watched her since she was 14 years old, making bedroom tapes in her room, like um, just home, like do it yourself, DIY recordings. And yeah. She, her, I knew her dad because he worked at the radio station I worked at. He was the one of the producers for Aiden NX. Oh, and he okay. said, hey, you like music, Dan. What do you think of This Is My Daughter? And she goes by Flower Face. And I gave it a listen. I thought, this is awesome. Yeah, like she's like st- stupid good. So good. <laughs> yeah. She totally blows my mind. She's fantastic. Uh, who else do I like? Um, I haven't seen them play in a long, long time, but Border Patrol, I love Border Patrol. Yeah. They're one of my favorites. I was, One of the first bands I ever played on Here and Now is the Blue Stones, and they're doing amazing things. And I'm not just saying this because you're friends with them. The Blue Stones? Uh, I don't know them. Oh, they're, oh, they're, they're, if like, you, I know of them, but oh, right. I don't know them personally, though. Right. Yeah. Super nice guys. And I remember they, uh, they came on and played the Wine Fest one year, and I, they came on the river. I was broadcasting live from there, and I said, okay. Oh, get on the radio with me. It's really cool. And they were just up and coming and uh, such nice guys. And I'm so, I watch them on Instagram, the way their numbers are just exploding. They're touring all over the world. The crowd is so into them. I'm so over the moon proud of them. They're amazing. And these guys, I'm not just saying because they're your friends, Hutch. I think Hutch, we used to play them on the river. I was a fan before Hutch, like before the river, like like uh, when I used to just listen to Hutch. Yeah. And uh, they blow my mind too. When they play live, they are so tight and sound so good. They're one of my favorites to see as well. They're one of my favorite bands to see live out of any band I've ever seen live. Argu- me too, arguably. I've seen a lot. And that's a big statement, but it's it's true because they're so good. Yeah, they always kill it live. I go, I've gone to almost every single one of their shows since like 2015. Yeah. Uh, they're in Banff right now. They're doing no like an out west kind of little thing right now. Oh, cool! Yeah, they're and they're they're so nice and funny and like I'm I'm proud of them too. Like they're just one of those bands that I just you have to make it. Like you're so good, people have to hear your music. Yeah, you know they're they're so they bang on. They know their sound. The production is always on point. Live, their timing, like love, love, love them. Their timing is so crazy. So at their release show for their last album, Home Run, um, which was like a year and a half ago now, um, it was the last song they did an encore. And I, um, we were in a mosh pit and I picked up the lead singer of um, Abide by the Few. When I picked him up, one of us hit the plug and we unplugged the amps. Oh my God. And somebody grabbed it and plugged it back in. And it was like, dead on like i don't know if it was us that unplugged it or whatever but when it came out they were it was exactly it was so tight that everybody thought it It was was on purpose no way even my best friend was like i don't think you guys unplugged it i think that was on purpose that was part of the show because like it was so like sash came back on and it was like everybody was like ding it was like right where they were and then I, Sash was on the podcast and I talked to him about it and he's like, no, it wasn't on purpose. Like, oh, we didn't. oh, those things, at least it worked out. That's actually a cool story, but yeah, yeah that, that's amazing. Oh man, that's wild. I was getting, that's funny that you brought up those two. So out of 
all the local bands, which I love a lot of them. Um, the ones that I listen to for years and like know the words to most of their songs is Flower Face and Hutch. Oh, get out. No way. Yeah. Oh, cool. I was just listening to Flower Face's uh, last album. I have it on vinyl, A Shark in Your Water. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. Like, it's just when you listen to it, it's so amazing. And she's outdone herself with every record. And fun fact, I'm actually in a video for one of her songs. Really? On that one, uh, Pisces Moon. Okay. We, we shot I- it one day and she's like, do you want to be in the video? And I was like, oh, yeah, like nerdy again. I'm yeah, like, yeah. please. Yes. And I had purple hair at the time it was for a charity fundraiser so my hair was all purple and I'm like oh god I'm the purple hair guy in the video <laughs> but now like I stick out like a sore thumb it's like purple head that's me so it's but it's kind of cool I'm like I can say I'm in a flower face video now you know it's 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 really cool she's so nice she's so humble too yeah like she's so talented and all those people that we just mentioned Hutch you know the Blue Stones flower face all those people they're so good at what they do and it's like they don't have this ego about it mm-hmm. and that's what makes you like them even more like it's just it's just pure like this is what we do we love what we do and want you to love it too and it, you can't help but be pulled in by that for sure no it definitely helps you be a fan especially like locally oh especially yeah especially when they were all coming up too yeah do you know because that's how they kind of and all of those in. people kind of came up at the same time and they were all kind of intermingling a lot and yeah it was it's really cool to see that happening it's it's so it's so great yeah, yeah for sure yeah. um i think actually on that bookshelf or somewhere in here i have uh her uh cd baby face or baby teeth baby um, teeth yeah like with a, her signature in it i forget yeah. where it is oh it's a great record too yeah, yeah. it's nice it's, it's just so cool seeing those songs like evolve and grow and what she puts out and she used to sometimes send me little like snippets of songs on baby teeth especially like hey check this out what are your thoughts i'm like my mind is blown like i almost feel like i'm being fake because i'm gushing so much to her, I'm like, yeah. she's going to think I'm faking it. Like, you know, when you're like, you get a present, you're like, I like it. You're like, oh, do they think I not like it? Like, it's like that with her. Yeah, but it's real. But it's real. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to gush too much. So I'm like, but it's, she's so good. Yeah, she blows my mind. She's one of my favorites easily. Yeah. yeah. For, out of that kind of music, like, I do love a lot of that kind of music, like that softer. Ethereal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like I really love like Iron and Wine and yeah. Bon Iver and just all those people. And I listen to her just as much. Like, she's in all my playlists with all their songs. Yeah. She fits that, like the national, I, all those Iron and Wine. Bonnie Vera, all those people, totally, she's that vibe. Yeah. yeah. When I was in, um, when I was in Iceland and I was shooting from the first book I made, I pretty much listened to her. See, because it was like a month after Baby Teeth came out. So, because Baby Teeth came out, I think like February, January, twenty eighteen, probably. Yeah. And yeah. then I went to Iceland in April. So I just, like, I had the CD with me, and I listened to that almost the whole trip. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's good. <laughs> so that probably reminds me of that time now. That's, like, that CD. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome when that does, they do that. We were talking about that yesterday with the Rosalie Tremblay tribute, just how music is such a time machine that if you listen to an album, like, on repeat at a certain period in your life, years later, when you listen to that record again, like, you're back there's a Veruca Salt album that I got in 1996 when it came out, Eight Arms to Hold You, and I listened to it that summer, 97, 96, nonstop, and I used to bleach my hair blonde all the time. When I listened to that album, this is how ingrained it is, I listened to that record, so help me God, I smell bleach. Like It smells <laughs> like I'm bleaching my hair because I used to bleach it out so much. Yeah. So it's like that album is like, reminds me of the summer I, I like killed my hair by bleaching it so much. <laughs> like It's like I still smell the bleach on that album. When you were younger and you were like really getting into music, like in your teenage years and stuff like that, was that in the heart of the grunge scene or post grunge? Well, oh no, I got into me. I got actually into music before that grunge scene. Even okay. I got into music in the eighties, and I got into old music in the eighties. Like in the nineteen eighties, when I, what really triggered my music? Like this is this is something I've never really admitted to anybody before. Uh, my first record that I got as a gift, I was six years old. It was 1982. It was Michael Jackson thriller. And I think every six year old got that record back then. And I liked it. I thought it was really, really good. I really loved it. And I liked music. I mean that he was, it was kind of a, 
it was the thing. Thriller was the video. Like, yeah. Beat It, Billie Jean. Like, those were the hottest singles ever. Madonna came out. She was the hot singer. Cindy Lauper came out. I had Boy George. So I had, like, the hot hits. And my mom noticed that I really, really loved music a lot. She's like, you really like this stuff. Like, why don't you, if you ever want to go into my records, you know, check it out. So I started dipping into her records. That's how I found that CKLW Solid Gold record. I didn't even know what it was. Started playing it, and it was Bob Seger heavy music. And that did something to my head. Like, just that guitar progression, the way he sang, I didn't even know who he was. I was just like, this is awesome. And on that CD, it was like the Shangri-Las, it was James Brown, it was Tommy Rowe, it was uh, all these amazing artists, and uh, I just fell in love. Didn't even know who they were, but I fell in love, and that kind of steered my music in a different direction. So I still liked all the bands that were big. I still liked Madonna and Cyndi Lauper and Michael Jackson, but I like these oldies. And then it kind of geared me towards more garage-oriented, and literally the 1990s, I mean, I was a big music fan by the time the 1990s came out. Like, I was into R.E.M. and a big fan of Madonna, too, and yeah. all the oldies. And I was a big, big fan of the Bangles. And that people laugh when I say that. You know, they're Walk Like an Egyptian and Manic Monday. But those were the singles. If you listen to the album, they were very much a 60s garage band. They had four-part harmonies, Rickenbacker, jangly guitars, amazing beats. Timing was on point. Like, you won't hear that. If you look at a Bangles' greatest hits, it's all these commercial-sounding songs. Their other stuff was all Beatles-esque, and it, yeah. it was really, really different, so I love that. Then, literally, it was like the 90s. I was the perfect age. My first day of high school, like that year, that summer, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains all came out. So, like, <laughs> I was literally going into high school as grunge broke, and 89X was breaking out. Like, that was the radio station. You lived and died by 89X, because it was on there. It was cool. Yeah. But I, you know, that was a neat little a neat little balance out because I was used to like some poppier stuff and I was used to 60s stuff and then grunge came out. I never really loved, I respect it, but the one genre I, I know the least about is metal. Okay. I, I like loud, aggressive music. Metal, I, I just don't know a whole lot about it post any genre. So when grunge broke out, it kind of gave me that little fix that I think metal will, the itch will scratch in some people, but I finally had this aggressive, loud music. I'm like, oh, this is kind of poppy. It's like, it's not remotely douchey. Not that I think metal is douchey. I'm not saying yeah, that at yeah, all, yeah. but it, it had this weird little artsiness to it that struck a chord with me. It was, it had a weirdness to it. Like Jane's addiction came out then. And I was like, who, this is so weird and wild. And like, it's rock and it's metal. And there's these crazy weird solos, but he's singing this high pitched voice and they're wearing like crazy makeup and costumes and the red hot chili peppers were like, who are they even like, th these are just weirdos. Like yeah. they used to come out in glow paint and like, it was a really cool alternative scene to, to come up with that. And it, for sure, it, it was just a great, it was a great wild time because it became popular but like it was like the weird music that you'd find at the back of the record store was pop. Like that was what was dominating the airwaves and fashion and dictating all this stuff. So it was like, it was very, very progressive too at the time. Like it was very effortless. It wasn't preachy, but it was super feminist without saying they were feminist, but it was. Yeah. It was very, very like queer. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers used to make out with each other. Like yeah. Nirvana, Kurt Cobain used to come on a dress. dress yeah. Like, and it, they were just R.E.M. Like it was just very, very artsy. And there was Sinead O'Connor who had the biggest hit in the world at the time. So who's this crazy chick with this voice with the shaved head who's ripping up pictures of the Pope? Like it was bedlam, but it was just so like, it was so fun. It was such a fun time to be in high school while that was happening. And yeah, I could imagine so. <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. And I dressed the part. Like I had like the long hair that was part of the middle. I wore Doc Martens. I wore like a plaid shirt. I sometimes wore a Madonna t-shirt under my plaid shirt, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it was just, it was a really free for all. Music was music and it was, it was a really, really good time. It, there was no, um, even though there were genres like grunge was such a thing. 
I think for a lot of people, so much of it blended together. A lot of people who loved grunge loved Prince. Like Prince wasn't remotely grunge, but people respected him. Madonna too. I, I got to bring her up. She's one of my favorites as well. She in the early 1990s, especially, she was very dark. She was very sexual. She released a book that was like borderline porn. Like what pop star does that? Like full frontal sex everywhere. Like and dark sex, like New York sex club kind of sex. This yeah. is Madonna, like the Material Girl, Teeny Bopper. Like how crazy are you? You released a sex book? Like what? So people really like it. Was very everything was kind of like tainted with black lipstick and like dark glitter like it was just a, a weird glammy time like gl glam rock in the 70s probably compares to what was going on in the 90s was just bedlam it was great yeah they always say like things come back around and yeah do a little different i think what's special about grunge is like you kind of said this too is it was like really like heavy music yeah but it was very like feminist and queer totally and just like they had all these messages like kurt cobain and eddie vetter weren't like these like rocker like hardcore they, they were like, like very stars. soft like they were very soft guys it was like a gentle revolution a gentle loud revolution yeah it was great like i love that there was no like very yeah man poetic. sex drugs and rock and roll it, i mean there was a little bit of that but it wasn't like that that wasn't the thing you went there to really listen to the music like there was a respect to it like it was cool but yeah. it was i think on the inside of kurt cobain's one of their seat incesticide he says i think if you hate women I'm going to paraphrase it. Like, women, gay people, or black people, like, fuck off and don't buy my record. Yeah. And I was like, we'd seen that in, like, 1995 or whenever that came out. That was so neat to see. Like, it was like, he didn't care if he didn't buy his record. Like, screw you if you're a bigot. You're not for me. I don't want you at my show. Like, F off. Actually, I think he used the word bigot in that in that. I think he, he did, yeah. yeah. I, I, I kind of paraphrased that. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was great. Yeah, it was just, it was a really, really fun, fun time. And, and it, it's, it's ebb and flow, right? Like, I think... Yeah. The 60s was really cool, too. It was politically charged. It was probably, and I'm going to, this is horrible. I'm not endorsing it, but it was probably a bit drug-fueled as well. I mean, we lost half those people. You know yeah. what I mean? A lot of them are no longer here. Mm -hmm. And you think back to the 60s, like the big wins, like Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, all those amazing people. A few of them lived to tell. You're like, how, how is Courtney Love still kicking around? You know what I mean? Like the, what she's been through. Or Mick and, Jagger just turned 80 like Mick, last week. Yeah, <laughs> the Stones and all that. I'm like, it's it's wild seeing that. But uh, it was it was just such an interesting artsy time mm -hmm. to be around. It must have been so weird back then. Like Keith Richards and Mick Jagger are still alive. But like Brian Jones died when he was 27. Yeah. It's like 100 lifetimes away now. Think how much it's changed. You like, know? Yeah. And they had the, like they lived these whole careers without the person that like was he was like the leader of the band originally yeah and he's been dead for a million years now it's a new band basically yeah like you know so yeah no i i i, I can't even say i miss it because you know the music lives on forever but mm -hmm. it, it was really fun in the 90s being a, a teenager and i got to be in my 20s and like i turned 20 in 1997 so like i got to like go to bars at that time and it was it was yeah. really really neat it was it was cool yeah that would have been that would have been fun. It was fun, yeah. It was, it was, it was very bad seen on TV, like a lot of 90s cliches, a lot of girls with flowers in their hair and people smoking clove cigarettes in bars reading poetry. Like yeah. It was at, at what is now Fog Lounge. I used to go there with my friend, Sylvia. We went to the prom together, and uh, she was very much like the typical bleach blonde pixie cut girl, and she had this accent, and she like smoked clove cigarettes, and she's like, you have to come to, she had a Polish accent, you have to come to this place. We went to what is now Fog Lounge. It was Eclectic Cafe, and she took me there for the first time. And she liked really great music, too. We kind of bonded over that. And um, 
it was just wild walking into that space because it was kind of a coffee shop. You could order alcohol, but a lot of people went there just to have coffee when it was Eclectic Cafe. Yeah. And uh, we sat there on the table and talked about music all night, talked about PJ Harvey and uh, and David Bowie and people like that. And it was it was just a neat little place to, to collect. And I love that Windsor has still has that hub in that building, in that space. In that same space. Yeah, yeah. it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, you bring up David Bowie, and I remember... Um, we talked about Perks of Being a Wallflower before. Yeah. We both really oh, love that movie. So but your one t- your one thing that you don't like about that movie is that they didn't know who David Bowie was. The, uh, yeah, because the big they called it the tunnel song. Yeah. And it was Heroes. And I was like, hey, these are all cool music heads. I'm like, you would know. You wouldn't call it the tunnel song. You would know what Bowie. That was my one and only yeah. beef with that movie. Mind you, that end scene when they finally play it and they go through the tunnel, it still makes me cry. Like, yeah. it's so good. But yeah, I was like... You guys would know who David Bowie and the song Heroes. Come Especially on. in like 1991, if yeah. you guys were that cool, they were into yeah. like they were the music. They were, they were listening to Morrissey and stuff. It's like you'd know who David Bowie was. Yeah. Like, come on! But what a good book and movie that is. Like it's, both of them. Yeah, I think the book's right there. I can see it from here. It's on oh, the yeah. bottom shelf on the top. That's one of my yeah, favorite books of all time. It's yeah, and the and the, the the guy who wrote it directed it too. That's why the movie's so great. It's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the book I read the book once a long time ago. It's diary form, right? Is that, I think so. It's so, been yeah. years. I've read it a bunch of times. Yeah. I think it's Diary Reform. I think it's Diary Reform of the guy, yeah. But no, it's a wonderful movie. Such a That was such a surprise to see how good the translation was. I, I remember uh, like I had to read the book twice to like really pick up a lot of stuff, yeah. and I'm glad I did. Actually, I think uh, when I first started dating my now wife, she was in grade 10 i was in grade 12 and um the movie just came out and she had read the book but i didn't read the book and i didn't even know about it oh, cool. um but she was like really into that kind of you know oh, stuff, especially when she was like in grade 10 yeah and i still remember i was um i was grounded i forget why i think i suspended from school or something <laughs> and i told my mom i was because all we did was hang out with each other like 24 yeah. 7 um back then in high school and um i think i told my mom i was going to the gym <laughs> So I put my gym bag on, I got in my car, and I drove over to her house, but I parked on, like, the other street in case my parents, like, came to look, because, like, I was like, if they know I'm lying, they're going to check, because we only lived a couple blocks away. Yeah. And I parked, and I ran around the block, and I went to her basement, and we watched Perks of Being a Wallflower, and oh, then I cool. ran back to my car, and I flew home, and I was like, awesome. <laughs> I like, ran as fast as I could to get, like, a little sweaty. I was like, oh, back from the gym. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the first time I saw that movie. That's commitment. That's commitment. Which is funny because that movie's kind of about like teenage angst. Yeah. That's kind of what we were doing. Oh, totally. Yeah. (laughs) When did that movie come out again? What year was it? 2012. Okay. Yeah. Because I I was, I I was a bit late coming to it, I think. Or early 13. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. I loved it. Big, big fan. Like books are always better than movies, but like when the director makes the movie too, I guess he tried to make that movie a bunch of times. I heard that. And never had the cast. And then when he got those oh, three together then they they were so good like the i can't think of the guy's name of the guy who played the main kid was amazing like he was so good oh my god i can't remember name? his name but he was he blew my mind he was just fun to watch and it was a, a great great show i can never remember names when i'm on the podcast it's funny though the committing how you parked like the street away then you ran to get sweaty as if you came back from the gym i did that <laughs> once i wanted to I had, I had to go out with friends we were going to some show and i was a server at the time it was a friday night my friends were down and they said, hey, you got to come out tonight. And I was like, I'm working and I'm closing. And they're like, just call in six, have a headache. I'm like, that doesn't work in the service industry. If I say I have a headache, they're going to say, no, that means you want to go out Friday night, come in, you're working and you're closing. I said, if I'm going to call in sick, I have to have a real big deal. Like it has to be something big. So I, th- we came up with this scheme. So I called my work from a pay phone. It was before cell phones. 
I said, hey, you guys, I'm literally at a payphone right now. Um, I'm in the ER because I fell and I hurt my my uh, wrist. I don't know if I broke it, but it's swollen. Like, I, I might have just sprained it, but it's going to be a while. I'm so sorry. They're like, oh, they didn't even question. They're like, no, no, do your thing. Stay at the hospital. You're at the hospital. I can't argue. Go. That's it. So we were going to go out, and I said, wait. Before we go out, we have to make a stop somewhere. And I stopped at Shoppers Drug Mart and bought a tensor bandage and, like, wrapped my arm up. And then I'm like, and now we can go out. Sure enough, we're at the loop. Like, 1.30 in the morning, everyone's all drunk and, like, a show's going on. Who walks in but my entire staff? No. And they're like, they're like, you did hurt your arm. They're like, because I saw it wrapped up. And they're like, we thought you were lying. I was like, you guys, would I lie about something like that? I had to wear that damn tensor bandage for two weeks. <laughs> serving tables like for like because like, I had to commit I'm like I'm like it's not broken it's sprained but I gotta like keep pressure on it and like keep it tight so and then I'd forget to and I'd be like grabbing trays with it I'm like oh god my arm <laughs> I was like I'd forget you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. I'll take these plates Dan your arm I'm like oh god it's okay it's okay it's getting better but I committed that damn thing for two weeks so like I, I, I relate to you when you said you ran so you were sweaty your mom would think you were, your yeah, think you yeah. were sweaty at the gym no that's worth it you gotta do stuff like that when you're a teenager that makes yeah. the whole story you know right I wore that tensor bandage out and I had to hide it from my parents too. I had to come home and take it off in the car. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, did you hurt your hand? Like, no, I lied about hurting my hand so I could skip out of work. Like, that's not a good look either. Yeah, So sure. it, it lived in my car. I'd wrap it up if I went out. And I used to, like, if I went to the mall, I'd wrap it up too because if somebody sees me, right? Yeah. So... Oh, was that was an all for one night out Friday. The things we do to go out. Yeah, especially back then when you were <laughs> right. a kid. You were probably underage too. Oh, probably. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to ask you a couple things about, like, I guess your like journey in radio. Yeah, yeah. So when did you when did you start in radio? Because like there was no podcast back then. No, no. no. Uh, Two thousand uh, C Jam. Uh, I was working for a room magazine, uh, and I was in college, and I met a guy there. And long story short, some of it was linked to school, but uh, most of it. This is how it happened. And I I've changed this in the past, but this is I've kind of shortened the story and abbreviated. This is what happened. I was working for Room Magazine, writing some features for them. You probably I don't know if you remember Room Magazine or not. It was like a independent alternative magazine. It was really cool, and they had local features. They had a lot of band uh, listings, band features, a lot of Detroit features. It was just a fun, cool like independent alternative magazine for yeah. arts and music. So I was writing features for them. And a friend of mine was, he wrote to, and he was a listings editor. His name was Trevor Klundert. And we had really similar taste in music. And he said, Hey, would you ever consider like going to C jam and doing a radio show? I said, yeah, that'd be great. Like, that'd be so fun. Like I've always wanted to do that, but I didn't know how, like, yeah. you know, and he said, let's do it. Cause there was a room radio. The, the magazine had a radio show that what the editor uh, and, and publisher used to do okay. kind of like a, a radio version of room. It, it's it was volunteer radio. Right. It was like, but they, they did that. And he's like, no, we can do this. It's got to pitch a show. So we pitched this show called girly. So groovy. And it was, uh, it was taken from a Pixie song, like uh, Debaser is the song. There's a line, girly, so groovy. And it was all, you had to have kind of a shtick or a spin to your show. Like make it, you can't just be play whatever I want, play music. Yeah. So we, we said it'll be all female fronted bands or female artists. And that, cool. that'll be what it is. So it was girly, so groovy. And we did that. And that was, I did that show for, I think, seven years, wow. six years, about six years maybe. And then I got hired at the radio station as a, um, a writer like just for commercials, not for radio. Like I got hired at the building I'm in now just as a writer. So I was doing, um, I was doing radio on CJM then one hour a week volunteer. wasn't really going anywhere. And then, it, then in 2007, I got hired on 93.9 the river 
And then I, I stepped away from C Jam. And but the thing is though, Girl is so groovy is still on to this day. Really? So Trevor is still hosting it. So for twenty three years now he's been doing it. Wow. And it's successful. It's like it's being syndicated in other places too. It's really cool. So he's done amazing things with it. Wow. And I, even today actually I was I was telling him, I messaged him randomly. Uh, I said, Hey, you gotta check out this band Bully. They played Detroit uh, just Last night, actually, I said, you got to hear Bully. They're like Joan Jett meets Hole meets um, very meets Distillers, like very punk, very raspy. And he, he said like, oh, it's so weird. I'm going to play them tonight. Like, and it's we still we still chat about music and stuff, but it, it's cool. That's the awesome. show is still going. But yeah, I got it. I, 23 years ago, I guess I got into radio on C-Jam and, wow. and going ever since. And yeah. When so 2007, yeah. is that when you got hired as a writer or when you started on the radio? 2005, I got hired as a writer okay. there. So I just, I knew a girl who I knew from college and uh, she said, hey, you know, we graduated in 2002 and... I was a server still. I was writing for small magazines, but it wasn't really paying the bills. It was like 50 bucks a story. And I was yeah. doing volunteer radio, which was, you know, it didn't pay. It was just more of a passion thing. And then I met her, I met up with her one day and she said, hey, you know, I work at a radio station now. I work at, it was Chum Radio then. And I said, she said, that's AM 800. It's Aiden NX. It's 93.9, not yet the river. And it's CKWW AM 580. And I said, what do you do there? And she's like, I'm a writer. I'm like, that's so cool. And she goes, you should totally apply because there's a mat leave coming up for the writing department. You'd be great at it. I'm like, yeah, I, I was writing. I had a big portfolio by then with room and all the papers I used to write for. So I applied and I got the job as a writer. And then the mat leave ended up, the person kind of never came back. Like she she, she came back for a minute, but she, she left soon after. So they just kept me on. Yeah. And then the opportunity for the river came up and... Um, like the river, it was 93.9, but it became, it was switching formats to 93.9, the river. Yeah. And it was the river in the 90s. And I loved the river. It was very, again, alternative, a little softer than 89X, but it was still that alternative, edgy kind yep, of music. Yep. And uh, it switched back to the river in 2007. And I said, that would be amazing. And then I heard through the grapevine, oh, you should apply, Dan, you should apply. You know the music really well. And you're this, you're that. And I'm like, oh, but am I qualified? So I literally went down to the PD and uh, I said like, hey, it, would it be weird if I applied kind of thing? And he's no, just send me a demo of what you think you'd sound like on the river. I think you just said, send me your demo. And I said, cool, no problem, I will. And I went back, and up, back upstairs and I Googled how to make radio demo. I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I did CJ. I'm like, I don't know how to, like, this is like, this is the river. Like, oh my God. So I just kind of, and they said, keep it short and sweet, you know, three minutes, back sell, front sell the songs, do it in the style you would do if you were on the air. He gave me the best advice ever. He said, he said, just, just be you though. Like when you do it, it's like, don't try to talk like what you think a DJ, like, don't be like, Hey, it's Dan McDonald. And like, he's like, that would just be so stupid. And I was like, okay, I won't like, and it actually, oddly enough, easier said than done. It took me a few takes. Like the first time I did it, I listened back. I'm like, oh, I don't sound like that. Like, what am I doing? Like, and then finally I just did it. Like I remember, I remember the songs too. It was Red Hot Chili Peppers, no way. Uh, Lenny Kravitz and U2. Cause we, we were playing those in heavy rotation at the time. Yeah. So I just like faded out the end of Red Hot Chili Peppers and gave a little, Hey, that was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Da da da. Here's Lenny Kravitz. And I just kind of sold the songs the way I would. And I did those three little breaks. I'm like, well, there it is. And I burned it to CD cause that's, <laughs> that's what it was back then and uh sent it to him and uh I uh, kind of thought like I don't know what I just did I think that was a demo but I don't really know like I've never submitted something like that and then three days later he pulled me aside and I thought he was gonna say oh we hated it <laughs> I was ready for it too I was like well I still have a job so I'm fine either way and he's like hey uh you sound great do you want to start tonight tonight and I started and, and somebody had called in sick or, or somebody had a concert to go to I think there was a Lucinda Williams was in town or something and I was like and he's like are you comfortable starting tonight 
And going by the old improv rule, when someone asks you to do something, you always say, yes, yes. go for it. So I'm like, I'm completely fine starting tonight. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be on the river tonight. <laughs> so I worked my whole shift, you know, my 9 to 5 shift writing. And then at 7 p.m., I went on the air until midnight, 7 to midnight, and wow. just did that. And I stayed there for 13 years. That's crazy. Yeah. Were, were you... Because then you were on in the day after that, like towards the end, Things right? Things got switched around yeah. a bit. There was some shuffling, like the night person, the night person who called in sick left. So I was the night person for a long time. And then, then there was some shuffling. Somebody left and they kind of shuffled the whole deck. And I became, uh, I became the three to seven midday guy, the afternoon drive it was called. Yep. And that was kind of my, that was like my, my my real deal permanent. This is the Dan McDonald shift. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the night times was cool, but it was, I was like, I was almost like solidified when I got that three to seven and that was now, Oh, this is my shift now. So now it's mine. And like, it was, that's, that's where I felt most at home. I mean, that shift like 3 PM was my start time and I'm done at seven. Like that's crazy. That's a good shift. Like it, I could, so I could go out all night if I wanted to literally until 4 AM and I don't start until 3 PM. Yeah. And then, and when you're done, I, I could go out that night. Like I had my whole morning, I had my afternoon until three and I was off at like 6.50, my shift ended. So I'm like, I can do dinner in a... I was going to say, you could still have dinner. I had all my day parts that I could yeah. still do. It was four hours a day that I was doing that. <laughs> and that was it. But it was it was the drive home. So it was popular because people listened to the radio a lot during that time. Yeah. And I had like the traffic reports, mostly Detroit. But yeah. uh, but but it was it was such a it was a really really cool time. I, I think when I was because I was in there with you when we recorded that thing for here and now we just did it in between like you preset some things up right yep. and then we yeah did we it. did and I think you told me that your traffic person was a girl in Detroit and, she was and you would call her or whatever yep. and yeah. I call her up at like I think it was uh every like quarter hour yeah and we just do a little like I do my regular cell like hey that was uh you know that was Sam Roberts and right now we're gonna go to traffic I hit a button it would play this traffic bed. And with river traffic right now, here's Tina. Tina, what's going on? And she'd be like, well, hey, Dan, there's a backup on I-75. And, you know, it was, it was really fun. It was great fun. Like Watching you do that was so cool. Oh, and really? I was, yeah. like, still a student at the time in there. And I was like, this is sweet. And being in that, in the booth, there was so much. I'm like, how do you, this is, like, terrifying. There was so many buttons. <laughs> Most of them you don't need. <laughs> That's what I started to figure out. I yeah. was like, he, I don't think he's using all these buttons. It was, like, three. Like, mic on, mic off, music next. And, like, there was one other button. But, yeah, yeah it wasn't a lot. It was intimidating, though, and it was kind of like, whoa, and they gave me the crash course that one night when I said, I guess I start today, and he's like, the only buttons you need to know are this, this, and this, and like, the rest, don't worry about it for now. Yeah. And it was like, okay, and you kind of fly by the seat of your pants, but here we go, right right place, right time. Yeah. Really, like, kind of, you know what I mean? I think that's how everything works out. Always, and, yeah. And a lot more of them work out if you put yourself out there and do things, because yeah. then you're in more places at well, more times. <laughs> with the river, too, I was very much an enthusiastic fan when it switched over to the river again, mm -hmm. so I was constantly writing them I'm like hey can I write a blog and review this album can I I'm going to this show can I write a, a show a, a little blog about it so I was kind of doing a river blog so when a position came up for hire they kind of like well, Dan you're like you're already kind of a little presence with your writing so like it, it kind of was just a neat little fit like again right place right time but also putting yourself out there like you said yeah for sure um because like the guest before you that i had on was tori Rovers from right, the from mix. mix yeah and she was just uh she took journalism too and so did i and so did you and um she was a couple years after me and she would do like one of the internship i think she had was the you would go to the booths oh like the a team or the street team or whatever it yeah, is. yeah the yep. street team yep. or and then and then she did it through the summer and then she got a job and then it was her job and she would go do it. And she said she loved doing it like the summer booths or whatever. And then, um, I, I think she said they were looking for somebody and they said, find somebody that's like Tori. 
Like they wanted somebody with her personality, and then they asked her to apply. And oh, then, that's awesome! And she got it. See, so and her personality, guys, she's she's wonderful. She's amazing. She has such a great voice and such a great warm personality. She's perfect for it. Yeah, it's yeah. cool how that happens. Just from well, you know, it's so funny in a roundabout way. It's totally full circle because I'm I'm pretty sure her her program director is the guy who got me on the radio is Fat Matt. I, th- I think she yeah. said that. Yeah, so that would be the guy who, like, hey, can you make me a demo? Sure, how to make demo. That was him. Like, No way. And he, he's a legendary. He's somebody else I fanboyed over when I got hired there. Like, he was an, a classic 89X voice. So I used to listen to him all the time. And when I met him, another very, very tall guy, I was like, oh, my God, like it's Fat <laughs> Matt. But I was like, hey, what's up? Like, trying to be all cool about it. Like, oh, I'm not fanboying at all. But it was it was really neat having somebody I, I grew up listening to. Not grew up, but, you know, like, someone I really looked up to, literally, because he was very tall. <laughs> but but I, I loved his taste in music. I loved his delivery he was very relaxed and he didn't talk down on the air and I just liked how like, listening to him it was like like I, I had a lot in, I felt I had a lot in common with his on-air persona because he'd give little tidbits about the music and like I just I liked that style and I kind of he was somebody I looked up to along with Christina on 89x and I loved somebody else she's still doing radio too uh and Alicia and WDET I'm a big, big fan of her, and she just, she's about music, too, and when she talks about music, you know it's coming from the heart, and I always loved that style, so I kind of tried to, I didn't try to copy it, but I, I wanted to, like, I'm like, that's that's my style, like, I'm going to do that kind of radio. I couldn't do the big, like, hey, you're listening to the big, like, that big <laughs> yeah, boom, like, that's, like, that wouldn't be me at all, but, oh, a, a music nerd on the radio? I can do that. That's that's just me. Like, that's yeah. easy, so, yeah, so that's, I, once I kind of deconstructed it like that, it was, like, a super, super easy fit. Like, I was a good fit for the river, I think. I would love to find a way to incorporate music into this podcast in some way because oh, yeah. i do love obviously music and stuff too yeah um, but i just love talking to people that's kind of see you have all these inspirations like for me like you were my big like radio inspiration oh for wow sure. get out and um and and then you show me that movie uh it might get or, or turn up the volume pump up, pump up the volume, volume. christmas volume. later yeah i think i even messaged you like a year ago you did. For it again <laughs> totally and, did yeah and then i started this like Pretty, like, pretty close after that. That is, I remember, you know, it's funny, a little tidbit, when you look back, you can say this, when I taught your class, like, when I was teaching that podcast class, you kind of try to get a feel for, like, all the students, and there was a handful, there's some who I'm like, I'm never going to connect with this person, like, they'll be fine, they'll be just fine, but I don't think we're ever going to be, have, like, any kind of, Mm -hmm. like, connection. Then there's some where you're like, oh, I'm not sure if they're going to make it through the course. Then there were others I'm like, ah, there's a handful. I'm like, I could see myself almost being friends with these people. You were one of them because you kind of ask questions right away. And I was like, this is somebody that if I was in college, I would have totally hung out with him. <laughs> so you, you were one of those guys. Like, And I remember a funny story that you probably won't even remember. I was doing some podcast topic. And it was it was some kind of how to post something to a website, some kind of technical how to one to, and everyone was kind of watching. I was going through a PowerPoint, and then you raised your hand. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, what?" And you're like, "Hey, uh, what bands in the '90s did you really get to watch?" <laughs> I was like, "Shit, man, it's not even listening to my lesson." But at the same time, I was like, "Let's talk about music." So I think we had this little round powwow of like talking about music, and we just kind of chatted it out, and it was fun. I was like, "Well, this is an easier conversation. Let's just go with this." Like, but I don't know if you remember that or not. But I was like, "This is actually hilarious that you brought tell that." story sometimes i do remember talking to you in the middle of class about like all kinds of things that like we were i guess like kind of both into yeah yeah you're praying on stuff yeah yeah yeah. and i remember when you we brought up pump up the volume and you kind of took it you're like can you can you like write that down like whatever that movie was so it's cool that you're doing this i think it's really really neat i've seen it a few times now it's great eh yeah it is great it's aged well too because it was very i mean that was the 80s that one and the soundtrack was incredible. Yeah, like it was. That was an in, that was a big influential movie for me too. The ending's great. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. Very. Yeah. That movie is like so, like I don't know. Um, 
I don't know, cult, I guess. Like, it's like, it, it, you can't even find it. No, you know it's how hard, hard to it find. was for me to find that movie to watch that really? day? Yeah. I had to stream on some, like, random website, and then I got it. I was I was like, I'm going to buy Like, I'll buy it. Yeah. I wanted to buy the movie, couldn't buy the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. that, that soundtrack was a big influence to me, too. I've, I discovered a lot of music through soundtracks. Like, soundtracks were great. There were artists yeah, that you'd, you wouldn't have heard of before. It's like, oh, who the heck is this? Like, I'm going to buy all their albums now. Like, in Pump Up the Volume was one. There was Pixies, which Girlie So Groovy came from. And, you know, Jesus and Mary Chain was on there. Leonard Cohen, Concrete Blonde, like, on the Pump the Volume soundtrack. And I love that he, he, like, do these crazy rants, then play this amazing, brilliant song to kind of put the punchline on. And I thought, oh, that's what a cool job. Like, what a cool thing, the pirate radio. And that's kind of, in a way, like, that's kind of what podcasts are. You can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, he, that was kind of the original podcast template, like, what he was doing, just broadcasting out of his basement. That's why I like the podcast, because, like, it is your thing, and you can do whatever you want. Yeah. There's no program director or whatever kind right, of you know. telling you what to do exactly another funny story i remember from school quick is um it was the first day of class and we were kind of congregating in the hallway after like the first couple days or whatever and we were talking about classes and we we're like ah oh, that class is gonna be lame or like this i don't know about like this teacher and i said um i said i'm really excited for danny seems really cool <laughs> and you turned a corner and you're like thanks <laughs> I, I, I totally remember that I and, totally I, remember that. and I, he's like that, that was nice to hear and i didn't even know you were there and i was like imagine somebody who's like talking shit oh my god i would have been crushed i was oh. like thank god i was like i did like you and you were yeah. coming around the corner and none of the other teachers that whoever didn't like were coming around instead <laughs> oh that would have not been good <laughs> you're right oh dan scott's gonna be lame thanks <laughs> no I, I totally remember that moment that was that was funny that was great yeah, that was funny that was it was a good crew it was a good crew that time yeah, yeah. um what um when when did uh, your show, your Both namesake one, show, come out and start? 2019. So that was another one of those moments wow. where uh, uh, Lynn Martin, who always who had that that role for a long, long time, she was on the radio for 40 years, and I loved her. She was a big influence to me too. I used to call, really my first time on the radio was calling into her show before I had any kind of my own show. It was like a, a call in show, same as as it is now. Yep. But back then there was no internet, there was no you know social media when when she was starting out. So any topic it was people wanted to voice their opinion it was one of the ways to get your opinion out there a big way you know on the radio so I used to call it her show all the time just to kind of give my two cents if it was a topic so I loved her show I listened religiously every day so again she was somebody else I fanboyed out to when I got hired there but I was very happy with my spot on the river and then she came into the studio one day and said oh you know uh, I'm going to be retiring in uh in the fall this was been summer of 2019 and she goes what are your thoughts? Like, are you, do you think you're going to apply? Cause they're going to be hiring and your name has kind of come up. And I thought like, wow, like for that show, like that's the show that I listened to. And for like, I, I kind of gave it some thought and it's, I, I initially thought, you know what? No, my, it was a firm. No. I'm like, I love the river. The, the time is amazing. Three to seven. I love the music. I know the music. This is my happy spot. I'm good. And I was a firm. No, I was good with that. Literally the eve before the deadline to apply the night before talk about right place right time i went to go see massive attack at masonic temple this is how i make my decisions because <laughs> I, I was a firm no it's not happening i went to see massive attack and they were amazing we we're front row they they were, did the whole mezzanine album from start to finish so it was very 1998 they even played 1998 music before the show so it was the whole theme of it was 1998 and at the very end it was a mind-blowing show everything went down they had this screen that came up and it said um dot 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 and start imagining your future and then like it blacked out and i was like whoa and i was like oh my god 
And like literally it hit me. I'm like, I'm applying to the job. And no. like, I was like, that's a sign. I don't even believe in signs. But like, I was like something in me clicked and I was like, I have to apply to this. So literally that day that was the deadline. The next day I made up a resume, my cover letter, submitted it and boom, they, it, that it went from there. So I got hired in, it'll be four years, November, 2019. I started. Wow. And uh, yeah, and it was, it was went by fast. It went by really quick. Well, COVID happened like three months after I got hired. Did that affect it? <laughs> Yeah, it was horrible. Like, it was literally the worst. Like, it, I hated doing it from home. You just didn't have the oh, things. You couldn't that, go in either? No, I couldn't. So I, they set me up with, like, a setup not unlike the one that you have. But, like, it. this is amazing for podcasting. I'm so jealous of that thing that you have that. But for live radio, there was a weird delay when any caller called in. Mm. It was all live. I had all these cues to hit. I had to message with my producer uh, via messenger on my Facebook, on my phone. And I was like driving blind. And when, uh, when I'd ask a question, the person on the other end of the phone wouldn't hear it until like six seconds later. Cause there's a delay. So I think they wouldn't be talking. So I, did you hear me? Then they would start talking. We'd be talking over each other. And I was like, I hate this right now. Not to mention the, 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 the climate that it was like, it yeah. was so like heavy and it was exhausting talking about it every day. And that wore down on me too. And like it, things got very ugly, like, you know, like with on, throw online in the mix. Yeah. It was just, it was just like, ugh. and I was like, God, this sucks. Like this tainted my whole like thing. Like I yeah. wanted to start a book club right away and I wanted to do this and that. And I'll have movies and we'll have all these guests in the studio. And here I am in my little hoarding room <laughs> but, like with like laundry behind me, like tucked in like this and like on this tiny laptop on my phone. I'm like, this is awful. Like this is terrible. So it wore on me. I feel like so many people started things right before COVID hit. Like, yeah, for me. So I built this space. Amazing, by the way. Thank you. Um, so I came up with the idea to do like a separate building. Um, and I started that in July. By the time all the construction and everything finished and it was like ready to move out here was like the third week of February 2020. <laughs> right there. So I had one month out in my new space. I'm like, you know, getting people in here because um, we're right now set up for our podcast, but this is where I do like headshots and my backdrops go oh, up there. Cool. And this is where I set up stuff like that. And I was just like, okay, like I finally have my space and I'm just, I had a couple shoots in here and then it's like, boom, oh, you can't work for six months. And it was like, oh whoa, it was, it, it was like, it was really weird. I was like, I, I just made this space and now I can't even use it, but. Unreal. It was. Uh, it's beautiful though. Like, <laughs> Thank it's you. really, really <laughs> impressive it's it's wild in here it's really cool <laughs> and then it all just and then it all worked out now it's been you know four almost four years wow in holy cow <laughs> three and a half yeah but yeah and and it's just like i don't know i feel like i forgot about covid a, a while ago now you did you feel like you forgot yeah. i i like to think that too i don't even say the c word on the air anymore <laughs> i'm just like let's just not talk about it like i don't want to ever talk about it again i just want to have fun on the air and you know what i mean yeah that was just next level it was just it was rough for every like it was rough for everybody everybody, everybody was going through something yeah. in a different way yeah. media was like really really like really targeted too by a lot of things like it was very rough to be in media you couldn't help it like even me i said things firing back at people and I, I was so sick of hearing you're fake you're being paid to say this you're this and that you're that. like i had a doctor on one time and i was getting so much i lashed back one time at somebody kind of viciously shouldn't have said it what i said but i kind of fired back uh, a couple swear words in there too it was on twitter or something and uh then like that got blown up and people were sharing it like oh my god oh my god and i was just like oh i hate life right now like i hate all of this i just want to be the guy who talks about movies and fun local things yeah. and books and have interesting guests on i want to talk about like 
municipal issues when it gets to politics. I don't want to talk about these big things. Like it was just like a eh, like this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. And it was it was trying for sure. Like I, I won't I'd be lying if I said I wasn't seriously thinking about just starting something else. Yeah. Like I'll go work at Indigo Books. Like seriously. Like I was like, give me something that isn't any of this. Like yeah. once I got back in the th- in the studio it was better. But it, when did you get back in the studio? Probably around uh maybe like so if it all started kind of February, March, I think we shut down in March, March. of 2020. Yep. Um, I probably got back in the studio like August of 2020. Whoa. But then they sent me back home again. Oh. And I didn't, I was like crushed again. I was like, no, I'm like, I can't take this. And then we, uh, we got back permanently, I think, um, maybe early 2021. Okay. And I've been back ever since. And you, okay. Yeah. You never, so. even during, cause like 2021 was still a brutal year. It was still but really you bad. you stayed at work the whole time. Wait, no, I'm getting mixed up. No, I was out for a long time when they sent me back in 2020. And I think it was closer to fall of 2021 when I got, when I got sent back yeah. to work. Cause it, it was bad in 2021. You're right. Too. It was. Yeah. I got my year. So it was, it was closer to 2022, but it was still 2021, but maybe September of 2021 that I got back in. Yeah. Cause they finally opened the borders in November, 2021. Right. And, and I, the, the day they announced that you could go to the, they announced it like four weeks early. You can go to the U S and come home with a test. Right. Um, and not have to quarantine in, in four weeks. And I went to my dad's house and I bought plane tickets to California. Get out. Cause it had been almost two years since I went and I was just dying. I love it there. And I went like the week you could go. Oh, no way. How was it? Was it weird? Uh, I was like, I, I always took, I've been traveling since college and I realized like how much I took it for granted. Yeah. Um, and I had been to California like a few times the year before COVID and I had just gotten back um, like right before the lockdowns hit. Right. Yeah. And I was, when I got back, I was like, I'm going to take a little break from traveling. I've been traveling a lot lately. I want to chill at home for a few. And then COVID hit. And then I was like, at home. That's right. <laughs> the next time I'm like driving through the desert, I'm going to like really cherish that feeling like I can't like, you know, that I can come here. And then I went out there and and I did. And then it's funny because two months later in early 2022, we were on a whole other law. I was like, I've already traveled the States again and we're still locked down. And I was like, this is crazy. It was so weird. It was so weird. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't even bother. Like when there was the whole testing thing and all that, like I was like, I'm not even crossing again until like I get like, it's kind of back to how it was. Yeah. And then I think I didn't cross again until maybe April of 2022. And I, and I don't, I don't travel a lot. I, I go to Detroit a lot though. Yeah. And I started going to Detroit again. So that was, that was nice to get back. But. Cause going to Detroit, but having to get that test was too expensive. That's the problem. Yeah. It wasn't worth it. So no. I'm like, I'm not, if it's a test, I'm just not going to go. And that'll just be that. And yeah. I just won't go to Detroit, I guess, which broke my heart, but it made me like, like you, like that's cool. Driving to the desert. Do you do that alone? Yeah. That's gotta be amazing. Yeah. Like, I've done it. I've done it with my dad. I've done it with my friends. I've done it with my wife, but I have done it alone. Yeah. That's that's, oh, I love, it. I like, there's something about traveling alone. There is. Like, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I love traveling alone. Um, but I love traveling with other people too. I guess it depends what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I think if I wasn't a photographer, I don't think I would ever travel alone, mm. but I'm glad that it forces me to travel alone because like that feeling of traveling alone is like unmatched unless you've oh, done it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not a big traveler cause I'm terrified of airplanes, but uh, California is my number one place to go. That's where I need to go to California. You've never been. I've never been. Wow. And I yes, need to like to do go. some kind of, I don't know, like epic road trip there. It's me a couple of days, but I, it's literally on my list of things to do is go to see, go to California. But uh, what I love doing as far as solitude is, is hanging out in Peely Island. I used to host a festival there that they would do called the unplugged yeah, Island I unplugged. That. Great time. And uh, I used to go there quite a bit alone. So, you know, I mean, 
you're with all these musicians and there's all these people and it was great. But like when everyone kind of went to their thing, I was alone and it was really cool being on an island with just like a bike or a scooter and just being alone. And like you're on an island, so it was very solitude. Your phone didn't even work half the time. No, your phone t- does so not work out there. <laughs> it was like it was just like I am so isolated and cut off. But it was like it was neat. Like it was just you're only in your head. You're only looking at the sky, and there's not there's no light pollution. It's like not a cloud in the sky. It's beautiful. So I I kind of cherish those little moments being alone on yeah. Pelion. I, I love traveling alone. It's nice. I feel like I get really inspired when I travel alone too, especially totally. like in the travel process. Like I'm sitting on a train alone or in a plane alone or in a yep. bus. And then like that's um, when I went, when I did my Iceland book, uh, the whole like prologue, I wrote that on the train on the way there. Oh, it was cool. like a really rainy morning in April and I was just sitting on a train next to a window and there was like water running down it. And I just wrote. Oh, it's awesome. And like, yeah, stuff like that. Oh, it's so good. You can't even plan it, you know, it just kind of happens. Like this is that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I love stuff like that. (laughs) I I, I catch myself like just noticing too. Sometimes you do that. Like you said, there's rain down the window and it's rainy. It's this, it's this moment in time. I love it when you kind of catch that moment. Like you're like, oh my God, this is one of those moments where like, just remember this moment. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're alone or whatever it is, something significant is happening, then that's burned in your head forever. That's the best. Like when you, when you it's always it. when it's raining. Really? <laughs> yeah. I love when it rains. Me, me like too, yeah. if it's like, so I like doing a lot of activities and stuff like that. And in the summer I try to take advantage. Like if I have a day off or an evening off, I like to go do stuff outside um, because in the winter is, you know, you're so locked down, yeah. but I don't mind a, uh, if my plans get foiled because of rain in the summer, like really a, a rainy Sunday. Cause it's like, Oh, well now I'm just going to go and I'm going to like make work f- and just like do my like artwork for oh, hours. Cool. And that's kind of what I like to do if it's raining. It's weird. Cause <laughs> I will beg people and I only do this in the summer. If it's a hot day and a certain type of rain, I love going and people think I'm crazy. I love going for rain walks. Not if there's lightning. Cause that's like not, not yeah. a good idea to go. Let's go for a walk with an umbrella. But I love, I love that. Like that hot, when it's a hot, humid day and the rain just starts coming straight down. I love going for a walk and the rain just getting drenched. I don't get to do it often when I do. It's like, this is the day the pavement is hot and it's raining and you can have that. You have that weird pavement rain smell. Yep. I love going for walks in the rain. Nobody ever comes with me because I think I'm like you seriously want to go for a walk in the rain it's it's my favorite thing though and I, I don't get to do it too often if it's cold rain it's not good like you don't yeah have cold rain sure. in your face but when it's that warm rain where it's just like ah oh, this is like this is the best right now it's it's great sometimes I miss like the simpler times like when I was in college I didn't have a car and I would take the bus to school and I was always on the bus and waiting at the bus station and having to walk and all this stuff and like um, when you get older and, and, you know, you start to grow up and you get a car and you get these things, like it's obviously easier and it's nicer, yeah. but like those times were like, I've never been like more inspired, um, to like make work and like just do things yeah. than those times. Yeah. It, you know, I got, well, during the pandemic, that was one thing that I kind of started doing again, just to get out of the house because I was so, so stir crazy. I would start going for long, long, like three, four hour walks because I'd be done at noon, which is still, I have a great shift. Nine to noon is my shift. Yeah. But I, at noon, I would just like, I'm going for a walk. And I just, sometimes I'd drive to a neighborhood and just park my car and walk around that neighborhood. Other times I'd go to a park or a trail or I'd just walk out my front door and just be like, I'll go this way. And I, I did an interview a long time ago with that band, that band Cake. I know the band Cake. And uh, the guy told me he does these things called green light walks where he just starts walking 
and he'll go in one direction, and the minute he gets to a stoplight, he does not stop. If it's red, he goes the green route. So he'll if it, if this way is red, nope, I'm going this way because this way is green. Now I'll walk until I get another green light, and I'll, another red light, then I'll go the green route, and he just keeps going That's and going. Cool. It was really cool. This was back probably 15, 16 years ago, so it wasn't the tr- Detroit that we have today. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm like, when you're in Detroit, I'm like, just watch where you go, because <laughs> around the area you're in, there's some like it's there's some interesting neighborhood. It wasn't like what it what it is today. Yeah, right? yeah. There wasn't a lot of storefronts and stuff. It was different kind of city uh but i I thought that was a neat idea just green light walks like walk and when you hit a red light go the green way and it's he never stopped walking just kept going as a photographer who does like a lot of conceptual kind of landscape work do you ever think to bring a camera with you on those walks I bring, I used to, I, my phone, like I yeah, had my phone. That's so I, fine. I would take a lot of photos, like I, especially if I'd a lot of, I saw a lot of neat street art and stuff. So I'd always take photos of that, but I'd even see like random things. Like if I'd see like, I don't know, like uh, everything from a really, uh, a really neat storefront to like a, a lost stuffed teddy bear in the yeah. middle of the field. Like I'd snap a photo of that. Uh, and I, I would, I would always post like, here's what I saw on my walk today. And I'd post this little thing for a while and it was really cool. And even, even just a new trail, like if there'd be a pond, I'd take a shot of the pond and I discovered, so yeah. I, I would love now I don't fancy myself a photographer, but there is something about capturing it and kind of having that there. And it's, it's nice. So I, I imagine you have that times a thousand. So like, but what you said is, um, so like, yeah, that pick, like those pictures stand alone. Like, they're nothing that you, you're going to frame and put up just right. one. But when you start to, you got these walks over the course of a year throughout the whole city. And every time you said you, when you see these things and you think of to take a picture, that means it's like, it's telling you something. Yeah. And when you can get all those, you know, you get two, three, 400 photos and you call those down into like 50 or 60, like you got something there. Maybe. I don't know. I never really thought about it that and way. And even if you don't have something for anybody else, like you got something for you. Yeah. You should put like something like small, you should like print some of those or like something. A little zine or something. Cool. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it like, could be, but what yeah. you said though, you said when you were going to walk for walks and waiting for the bus in college and high school and stuff, and mm-hmm. you'd never been so inspired. Like I love listening to music when I go on walks, but there are some days where it's like headphones out. I just want to listen to like the sound of the city or the sound of the park or the forest or wh- wherever it is. Yeah. And it's usually those times that I get the most inspired for something too, like an idea about something or I'm going to try this, or I, I like to write a lot. Or, like, I think this would be a, a really good story or, yeah. or something. So I, I, I find a lot of inspiration and, and I think it's part of it's like the surroundings inspiring you, but part of it is just like that meditative walking and you're just, your head is kind of going free and different things kind of get filtered in that you might otherwise miss if you had headphones or if you were driving and focusing on the road. I think when you're in that little space where you're just with you, you you hear different things in your head. Yeah, I you're out that. of that daily rush. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's. I think it's a healthy place to be. Like mm-hmm. it's it's cool. I love that's one thing I love about the winter is um, for me like as a photographer, uh, work slows down and the days get a lot more relaxed yeah. and chill, and I have more time to like do personal work and things and just it's just so not so fast paced. And that's why I love living somewhere where we have all these seasons. I couldn't imagine living in like California or Florida. Like I would be working like I work in the summer all the time yeah. and I don't think I could take it. Really? Wow. Yeah. Cause like it's like, okay, I got six months of an insane amount of work and that's what I do is I work like crazy and I deal with it. And then there's like another like two months at the, like one month at the start of that and one month at the end of that where it's like medium. Yeah. And then there's like four months of like relax. Yeah. And like uh, spend time doing things that I haven't had time to do. And I I love having that time. I feel like that's really where you can like catch up on like the, 
ideas you had to do stuff. Yeah, it's true. It's a good. It's it's nice to have the down. I like winter too. It doesn't February. I can't. I'm not a fan of February. But I'm kind of <laughs> sick of winter by then. Like especially if it's a really snowy February. Yeah. It's kind of like oh god, I'm so. Done you still with got this. so far to go. Yeah. It's like oh, it's so far away. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I do. Uh, I I I do like winter. I like going for winter walks too. When it's a calm, as long as not no ice and, and snow blowing in my face, I'm good. The calm like snow has fallen. Now let's go walk out in the icy wonderland. Love that. I like going for walks when it is like really snowing. Really? Uh, yeah. Really? I, I always listen to City and Color on those walks. Oh, cool. Go for like a super long walk somewhere, even to like the mall. Like a walk from here to the mall. Oh, wow. Which takes like an hour. And you just like bundle up, listen to City and Color, go through some streets, see some houses. Nobody's walking around. So do you do, do you put music into seasons? Like do you have mm-hmm. artists that are, I do too. I've yeah. always done that too. Like this is a summer band. This is a winter band. City listen, and Color is very much a winter band. I've never listened to City and Color in August. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's wild. That's cool. <laughs> For some reason, for me, Arcade Fire has always been a winter band too. Okay, when yeah. I, when I, I don't listen to as much now, but when I listen to them back in the day, I'm like, this is their first record. I'm like, this is such a winter record for me. Juliana saw the Postal Service and Death Cab for Cutie last night. Oh, cool! Which is not an August or September band. No, but no. Yeah. <laughs> that's when they were here. So nice, oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely have those those bands. But sometimes, you know what? I will listen to them in the summer if I'm trying to like trigger that inspiration oh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I just wrote a, a story that was set in winter. And it's getting published too. It's which is oh, really, really cool. That's and cool. It, it, I, it was weird because I wrote it in the spring and summer, and uh, but it was it was like a winter themed uh, story for uh, for a winter themed book. Yep. And uh, it, it was weird, like writing about winter with like the humidity and the air conditioner going and the sun shining. It's like, hey, get in that winter zone, and it, it's crazy what you can how you can hack your brain to get there. And that that's a good. I didn't think of doing that. Listening to winter music, that'd yeah. be a good way to do it, especially on a rainy day. If you listen in a coffee shop on a gloomy day, and you listen to winter music even in July, I think you can. They'll trigger that. Yeah, that's a good one. I've never thought of doing it. I don't know why I never thought of doing that. Although I have a hard time. Some people can do it. They they listen to music with lyrics while they write. And I like I think I would be singing along with the song. So what I what if I either I don't listen to anything at all or I will put my headphones in and put on either a very, very sparse ambient noise or white noise. Because yep. I just I just need to kind of hear nothing and then I can write and focus. And you can be screaming around me and I'm just hearing like that shh. And and like then I like I can just that's my happy little that triggers some kind of like and now I can do this and I can do this and yeah. I, it's only my voice in my head then and that that helps me write in a big way white noise yeah no that that makes sense for yeah. me with photos because I'm not like um, doing anything with words uh, I can listen to music with lyrics um, I don't write very much but anytime that I ever did for school or if I shot a band and they made me write something or yeah. in my Iceland book I had to write something like I wrote in there but uh, yeah I can't do with lyrics either yeah it's, it's you stumble over your words when you're hearing you words. hear this you're like oh no I'm writing that and then you get distracted <laughs> by the song and it's like no I can't do it but yeah no white noise I swear by the white noise that's how I do all my writing yeah the, Lo- love that the season thing's funny like I went to Banff this year at the end of April and I shot a lot of photos and I haven't touched any of them because like I'm not inspired to work on them while it's hot outside oh wow so I think I'm gonna do them next winter oh, that's cool that's great though it's something to look forward to <laughs> yeah like that's sweet I finally dive into these you know what's funny my friend of mine just messaged me today I don't have my phone on me I can show you he's like look what I just picked up and it was your book at Indigo no uh, way stoked on Tofino uh, uh, stoked on uh, Tofino, Tofino, Tofino yeah, yeah he, he uh, bought that one today I can show today you. Uh, today Day. I can I can thing? literally show you the, the the photo he just sent me. He's like, "What are you up to?" I'm like, "Actually, I'm going to a I'm going to be on a podcast." And Anthony, she's like, "Weird." He goes, "I just bought his book," and he snapped a photo of your book on the seat of his car. No way. How weird is that? I, I will show you the photo when we get here. That's it, super. It cool. was really really wild. Yeah. I don't know. So it's only been I've only had my book in there for like two months. Um, 
I don't know if I've so I don't even know if they contact me when they sell it or if I'm supposed to contact them. Honestly, I just put my my books in local stores just because I really want to have it in there. Yeah, yeah. And then like six months or like a year later, I'll be like, hey, like how many are there still? And usually it's like as many as I dropped off. But I'm like, I don't care. Like I want people to look at it. Yeah, know? yeah. And then every sure. once in a while, like one's gone. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's super cool. Not that I'm used to it at all, but like I, I think it's a really neat idea to have a book out. Like you know what I mean? That's so cool. Th- this one I really like tried to push and like get into you know and everybody in the city was like every bookstore i contacted um was all like yeah 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 bring it by bring it by the only one that uh said no was um the little bookstore in amosburg they had like enough local oh, content it's really that's a pretty small store that so. is a smaller one yeah, yeah yeah but like juniper uh biblioasis i just showed up on site with books and i was like can i put these in here and they're like yeah sure wow stick it on the shelf that's amazing. That is so cool. Indigo was a ridiculous process, though. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. It's so, it was yeah. like, oh, my. I think I went there in January, and I got the books in in July. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's, like, slow moving. But, well, you sold one today, so. <laughs> yeah, and it was not even prompted by me. Just It was a pure coincidence that said, I'm going to be on your podcast. He's like, look what I bought today. And I don't. I think he bought it for a gift for somebody who's a, a big uh, a big fan of that, like, that vibe, that style that you yeah. do. It's in the book, so. Yeah, I, I man, there's so many good books in the local section at both mm-hmm. Indigo stores. Yeah, I urge people to go look in those. Oh, me too. Why well, I, I do a book club with uh, with uh, the library, like the Essex County Library, and so far it's we're on book number ten right now. So one book a month, and it's all it's been all local authors. Like it's been so much fun, and the authors because they're local, they can join me for the book club. So we get people in the library, and then they all read the book, and then the author is there, and we do a little chat. So it's a neat book club because it's like the author joins us. That's so cool. it's been really that's been re- that was something I wanted to do from the minute I took over the show was start a book club and partner with somebody. And I thought a library is a great place to partner because they you know the book is free and they have like e versions that you can just yeah. if the physical copy isn't there. And it's been awesome so far, especially because the the like the writer is with us. So yeah, it's been really really cool. So. That's really nice to read a book and then be able to ask them questions. Oh yeah, like what they, they, this page here, like what, where did that come from? And it's neat when you hear what, like there's, there's something, there's always some reality in every book, even if it's complete fiction. Yeah, of course. Like, well, this scene actually did happen to me and I wrote it in like this. And so it's neat hearing like what is fiction and what's real, like yeah. what, like what, what is made up and what is real, what's based on what, who you had in mind for the character. Cause like when I write, I kind of have an idea in my head of what this character looks like or I'll, I will put in a scenario that did happen to me but in a completely different context but it's like this is what happened this is what was said and I put that in the in the story and it, it's it's fun to do that it's great do you try to write um when you do your writings is it mostly fiction yeah uh, fiction and poetry yeah I know you write yeah. poetry yeah, yeah. I do a lot of that too yeah uh, but yeah the, the writing stuff is a lot of fiction and uh, uh but a lot of it is like is blurred with real things, but it's it's fictitious stories too. But yeah, writing memoir and stuff is really fun as well. And I I think I kind of want to do a memoir one day about different things that happened back in the day. I'm still kind of thinking about how to do that though, but I I have something that I want to write about. And then, uh, but the fiction stuff is, is it's pure fiction. It's mostly horror uh, stuff that I write. Cool. That's the one that's getting published coming up in October. The book's coming out. It it, it, like, so it's not just a story. You're getting a whole book published. Oh no, I'm I'm in a book. It's you're a story in a, in a book. Yeah, it's for it's it's technically what I wrote. If you go by word count, it's technically a novella. It's like if it's over a certain word count, it's considered a novella, like a mini novel. Okay. And mine, it is a longer story. There's only four authors in the book, so mine is you could technically call it like a novella, but it's it's a short story. You know what I mean? It's a longer yeah. read. But um, yeah, it's it's gonna be out uh, early October, and we're gonna do like it was. It's wild too because I don't really like it's kind of out of my hands almost. Like I wrote it, and they. It, 
we made edits and stuff and they make you proofread it and, you know, sign off on the final thing. So yep. there it goes. And then they sent me like a, a print copy of it. I was like, oh my God, here it is. Like, this is what it's going to look like. And they set up like, oh, we're going to have a launch at this store. It's going to be on this store. And it's weird now I'm seeing it like pre-order on Indigo and Barnes and Nobles. I'm like, oh my God, like that's my book. Like that's my name on the cover. It's, it's like I'm nerding out over it. You know what I mean? But it's weird because like, I'm not doing anything. Like I wrote it and then it's like, they took it and they're like promoting it and doing all this stuff. So it's, it's really, really, it's, it's strange. Where are they based out of? Ann Arbor. Oh, okay. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Where is the other, where are the other local or where are the other authors based out of? Good question. I'm not entirely sure that I think they're kind of from different everywhere in the U S I'm I'm the only Canadian at different, uh, different, uh, places in the U S I think. Did they find them or did you, did you, they came to me, they came to you. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. They knew I write and said, Hey, would you be interested in submitting something for, for uh, this compilation and whatnot and stuff like that. That's alarm cool. gun, we're done, we're cooked. This, <laughs> this is uh, my alarm. Um, we'll take a little break. Oh, okay. I got to change battery on the camera. Gotcha. And then we'll come back. All right, we're back. Yeah, we, we had to stop, change battery, and we got some <laughs> beer. Boom, there we, we go. We got a brew, uh, their lime brew. Lime beer brew, brew micro. Yes, from brew. I love brew. Tastes like Corona, but the good kind. <laughs> we went ahead and took the heavy lifting out and added lime for you. Lovely. And I got uh, one from Frank's or Frank Brewing Co. I always say Frank's every time, but it's I do not. Too. It's, it's Frank. Frank. Yes. It's Frank. Yeah. Actually, let me pause that a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, for from, sure. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, before, oh, cheers. But cheers, man. Thanks yes. Thank you for, for having on. me here. <laughs> so, before we, um, before we took that break, we were talking about your writing and everything. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, they came to you. Like, uh, you've had other things published before, right? Yeah, yeah here and there around. You know, I, I put writing on, I used to do a lot back in, like, before radio even. Uh, especially for, especially writing features and stuff like that. I originally, radio was a happy accident, kind of. I always liked doing radio. It was never my goal to get on the radio, like to get on the radio and get my radio show. Okay. That was, it was a neat thing that I thought, wouldn't that be neat to do that? But I never, it was never something, believe it or not, that I actively pursued. I thought when I did the volunteer stuff at CGM, that would be the extent of it. And I liked doing, cause I liked doing it and that was it. It wasn't for the money cause there was no money. And then, but I wanted to be a writer like I wanted to be a music writer, like I write mu reviews and, and stuff like that and feature writer, that kind of thing. That was kind of my goal when I got into journalism. And then, uh, and I got, I got stories published in this and that. And I had some poems published. I released a little book in 2008 of poetry called wine and cheese, W H I N E like wine. I've heard you talk about and that cheese. before. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was fun. I was doing around that time. I was performing a lot of poems and I didn't even think of doing a book, but I was doing all these poems and I would make them very, I tried to make them very punchy and funny. I did it like Dr. Seuss style, but I would incorporate a lot of local isms and I'd name drop people in them. So people would be laughing and I'd poke fun at people. I'd poke fun at events in the city. And then I had a lot of poems. I used to do a lot of open mics at Fog Lounge and all around I've seen town. you there. Do you, you still do them? I, 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 I did. I, I haven't done it a lot. The pandemic, like so much, put everything on hold. I did a few since the pandemic. Um, but I, I wrote new ones for, I always write new pieces whenever I do something like that. Uh, and they're always super fun. But, um, uh, in 2008, somebody said, like, you have all these poems. And people were starting to ask me, can you come to this event and write a poem for this? Can you come to this event and write a poem for this? Like city events. I did one for, uh, I did. I used to do one every single year for Pride. I started holding a uh, an event that I, I made up called Slamophobia. And it was on May 17th, which is the International Day Against Homophobia, triphobia, uh, Transphobia, and Biphobia. And it's also my birthday, randomly. Get like, out of here. I'm not even kidding. You can't even make this up. It's May 17th. It's like, that's the day. Uh, the wow. International, that's my birthday. So I don't believe it or not. 
and I say this as somebody, you were the photographer at my 40th birthday party. That was the only birthday party I've ever had in my life since I was a little kid. No way. I don't, I don't like having birthday parties, but everyone said, Dan, you're the, you're turning 40. None of us are going to have a party. Why don't you just have a 40th birthday at somewhere, wherever you want? And that'll be like everyone's 40th birthday. So that's, that's why, uh, that's why I got you to photograph. Cause that was like my 40th and I've never had a party since, but what I loved about Slamophobia, it was on May 17th. It gave me an out to not have a birthday party. So instead I'd be like, Oh no, no, don't bring me anything. If you want to give me a gift, just come to my poetry event. And that's that. And don't bring anything. That's just, cool. it, it was free event. And I would invite people from the community, like anything, gay, bi, straight, trans, just to talk about like how homophobia affected them. We had everything from like, I'd always do a poem at the end, like one about the whole event. We'd have people like moms who would come up and read a poem about their son who came out as gay. One trans woman came up and wrote like, it was her first time coming out as a trans woman and she wrote a poem about it and like, that was her coming out. There'd be like a girl. Wow. Yeah, it was really powerful. A girl wrote about a poem about her boyfriend who was gay. Like a lesbian woman wrote about like having a baby. Like, it, so it was the gamut of everybody. So it was really fun. We used to do it at different places. Is the last one I did was at Walkerville Brewery, and 250 people showed up. Wow. Like, and I'm like, okay, we just we're doing like a gay poetry reading, and 250 people <laughs> showed up. Like, that's insane. Like, it blew my mind. Like, people were really engaged in it. So, uh, finally, someone said, "You have all these poems. Why don't you put it in a book?" So I put a little book together, call it Wine and Cheese. I broke it into four different parts. Most of it was about my time in university and college, and like. I, I partied very, very hard back then. Like, so it was poems about that that poked fun at my time and a lot of my failures in life too and how I cope with it. Yeah. And it, I did it with a, it was all spread with humor. Like it was all undertone of humor and AB rhyming, Dr. Seuss rhyming. Okay. But it was really fun. It was fun to read, really fun to listen to. And uh, that, that, was, that was out there. And then I kind of put the writing on hold when radio started taking off. And I, just, I just didn't write as much. But in, in, uh, during the pandemic, I started thinking more about it. And it, it wasn't really till 2023 that I said, I really want to start writing again, like for real writing. So I started writing short stories, doing this, talking a bit about it. And then that, um, that uh, got in contact with uh, 8N Publishing. And they, they just said, like, oh, hey, we'd love if you would submit something to us about this winter, wintry-themed ghost stories. And I was taking a liking to ghost stories. It was a weird, I don't even know how they knew I was writing ghost stories because I wasn't putting that out there yet. And I said, okay, I could do that, totally. Like, let me think something up. So I, I wrote that. And then I started having these weird dreams. This is this year. Yeah. These weird dreams where I would have a scenario in my head completely unrelated to me it wasn't me in the dream it was like I was watching a movie and I was like what a cool like what a cool story that is so I would wake up after having the dream and write it down and it was point form like this happens this happens this happens this happens and I took that dream one of them and wrote the story it's called dead air and it's a, it's a winter themed like ghost yeah. story and I submitted it to them and they're like I was like oh god again I'm they're gonna hate it they're gonna hate it and then like it's fantastic it's it's frightening it's scary here's some edits, let's work on this, this worked on it. And it's like, it's going and it's, I was like, Oh my God, and that like opened the floodgates and I've written a bunch more and there's other, I'm getting like, there's a few more things down the road that are coming out in April. There's another short story that's coming out down the road. Um, so it's, it's going now and I'm, I'm, I have not stopped writing. Like I've been that's writing. Awesome. So that's kind of a thing that I'm like, I like this again, that I'm back on this track regularly writing and like, there's actually publications coming down the road. So that's Winter great. Chills is coming out in in October, so it'll be out. There'll be there'll be a launch in Ann Arbor, and there'll be a launch here. We haven't nailed out the here one yet in Windsor, but it'll be like there'll be something going on, which I'm so. sure you'll share. Oh, I'll share that when it's out. I don't even know the details of it yet, but it'll be there'll be a little launch here somewhere. Yeah, that'll be super cool. When do you? Um 
have you read you have you read this year poetry at anything no uh no but i wrote poetry this year uh i wrote some for uh for a book that's going to be coming out in april and they asked me to write about different wards of windsor and okay. uh, and i was like well i can easily i'd love to I, and i actually i conjured up some stuff from the walks that i used to take so i would go to different wards and whatnot yep. uh, wards that i wasn't from and i would um i would uh kind of pull out some memories. I looked at some of the photos too, to kind of inspire me and think yeah. like, Oh yeah, that was, that was that. And uh, I wrote like four poems, mostly about for whatever reason, when I wrote about the rewards, I wrote about them like from when I was a kid and I don't know why that happened, but it was memories I had of that ward, like, you know, uh, playing in an old, like abandoned field where there was this one field, it's all housing now, but when I was a kid, it was a field kind of by central, uh, central Avenue in Tecumseh. It's all housing now, but it was an old abandoned field. So funny when you said that, I thought of that area. Really? Yeah. yeah that's where I grew up. Drew Large Central Road around that Chrysler Center, around that area. Yeah. And we used to play in this field and it's so funny because back then, this is like, we used, there was this like like porn porno magazine that was stashed underneath a rock and there was no internet like that was the only place and there was this like honor system that all the kids knew this like playboy magazine i don't even know if you'd call that porn like it wasn't even porn it was like naked girls like and that's all yeah. it was in a playboy 1984 probably and it was like this raggedy old magazine that was stashed under a rock and like every time i drive by that housing I'm like that used to be the forest where we kept the porn <laughs> so I, I wrote a poem about like that forest and like it was just it was just weird memories that came up like that i kind of how i associated the wards when i was a kid like it's like the whole thing is a patchwork quilt of memories the wards right like of, well, if you grew up in the, in the city yeah you have a memory of something from from everywhere really especially the places you hung out for and sure it, not and i wasn't a porn fiend or anything it was, it was just one <laughs> yeah, of those yeah, things yeah. like oh my god there's a porn mag- is it just really like there the thing and, when you're a kid yeah, yeah like we heard about it and then when we went fishing around we're like we lifted a rock we're like oh my god that that's the porno that everyone talks about and and like we flipped through like holy cow then like okay put it back and is anyone looking around like <laughs> and meanwhile it's like boobs that's all it was it was nothing like it, but it's it's a it's a great memory like, yeah it's a really cool memory for sure yeah. <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> do you um that's do you mostly write horror stuff or do you write other stuff too when it's not poetry uh poetry is always poetry is like never horror that's always yeah. like more like reflection memoir uh or something specific like about a topic that's going on um like observation poet poems are always observations that i have about something or an opinion opinion that i have put in a poetic way okay uh fiction stuff always 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 horror really um unless it's like a facebook post i sometimes my facebook posts are very very lengthy i like to uh, I, I still love to this day it's my little like when i wanted to be a music writer I, I did one today actually i will i love listening to vinyl records so i will pick a record it picks me i don't pick it it picks me i'll be like what something will just pop in the head i want to listen to this record so i'll put it on and i'll just do a reflection on it like i'll be like this album you know touches me this way i love these songs these songs and this is what it sounds like this is what memory it brings out this is what emotion it brings out i love writing like that and i always think about like maybe taking some of those snippets and like putting something together like a little even if it is just for me like a little like here's i call it like the daily spin or spin down or something yeah and i always hashtag it just so i can recall them i call it like i think what do i call it uh today's spin i call it the spin down today's spin down i always say the hashtag spin down and i put a photo of my record and like the vinyl and I just kind of make a little review of it. And I, I find that meditative for whatever reason. I don't know why. It's more like a hobby. And I, sometimes they end up being little mini biographies because I'll, I'll go back 
And I'll say, you know, I was listening to this album in the summer of 1994, and this is what I was doing, and this is who I was dating, and this is why it spoke to me. And it turns into a little story based around the album and how it played into it. Yeah. And I think that I don't know if anybody would even be interested in reading something like that because it's my, it's literally, it's so personal because it's just, but I share it on Facebook and it's fun. Some people like it, some people don't care. But I, how I look at my writing now, I'm not like even necessarily worried if people are going to like it or not. I just like it. I find, like the process of writing so meditative and therapeutic that like, even if no one else reads it, but me, like I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm really truly am. I'm fine with it. And I'm flattered and honored. Like this book that's coming out, like I've never really done a proper, like publication book launch where like I put an effort to get this published and this is, so it's kind of like, this is just really neat to me. Like it's, it's fun and it's a little dream come true. And it's like, I'm going to keep pursuing this. Like, this is really cool. That's when you do your best work when you don't, when you're, when you love it so much that you don't really care what happens. Do you find that too with photography? hundred percent. So I spend my whole day cause like I'm a photographer for my career too. And I have a good line down the middle. Um, so I spend my whole day making work and making photos that, that please people. They have to please my clients. But when I'm doing my personal stuff, I don't care if anybody likes it at all. I know what photos people like and I, and I know what photos to make that, that will do well. Um, and sometimes I'll go shoot one with like the more business intention, even if it's like more artistic with like the business intention that like, I'm going to shoot this and I'm going to sell, I'm going to frame it and I'm going to sell it and it'll be for work. Right. But when I'm doing things like, um, especially like my, my next book coming out, which is going to be, uh, it's called California gold. And it's from probably like 30 days I've spent out there in the last two years. Jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I did like most of the state. Uh, I stayed away from like nature and I just stayed in like urban areas. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like suburban places and more of like, um, I guess like the city and just stuff like that. And I just went for walks and I just shot all conceptual landscape. Wow. So things that were just like everyday kind of mundane things but like that were a little different that were like a little more interesting and those photos don't do even close to as well on their own as like my landscape pictures of like mountains at west and stuff like that but that's the work that i've like been really feeling inspired to make yeah and it really like makes me happy i love making that kind of work that's the best doing it for me and that's like you said that's sometimes your your best stuff when you're just you there's no like i don't know if it's ego or whatever there's nothing that's influencing you it's just like this is the real deal this is what spoke to me for whatever reason like that lightning strike moment and here it is like i love that like it's it's cool yeah see people have like their favorite photos of mine um and then i have my favorite photos which is nobody which is never other people's favorite photos (laughs) is it the composition or is it like a memory attack like what makes your your favorite photo what makes your favorite photos your favorite photos Um, or is it a combo of the composition and the i think it's a combo i think it's like yeah like what it is the subject also like um like the memory or the mood yeah. And then just like where it came from. I don't know. It's hard. It's so hard to explain. Yeah. No, I hear you. I totally, like, I get it. Like I do. I can, I can, like, I understand. I think, um, if you found another photographer, like somebody who's a, who's a real photographer, um, who like also took it like very seriously, like devoted their life to it. I think that they would pick out the ones that I like too. Oh really? Wow. Over the ones that I think that they're good photos in, in other ways. Um, people like photos that aren't photographers just for like the, like the inherent, like the initial things that, that really pop out at them, like the colors and right. like the subject, if it's like really big and in their face. Yeah. But like a real photographer will look at something that's like more simple or kind of different. And like, this is why it's great after looking mm. at pictures for so long. 
you know? Oh yeah. Does that ever get exhausting? What? Like look at like when you, or when you like, especially if it's an event, a work thing, you take like whatever, a large number of photos at any given event, then you got to like cull it down to like whatever bundle to kind of make sure that the event is properly represented, then start tweaking. Okay. This take is a bit better than this one. Like, does that get exhausting? Like be meticulous like that? Um, I've gotten so fast at it oh, uh, good. for like work purposes. Um, I, you got to remove yourself from it. like and just get like the work done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's annoying with like my personal work. Um, if I have like two of the same shot and I'm like going back and forth between the two. Cause like one root, like little things different. Right. Um, but if it's like an event or something like that, um, I feel like it's more evident to me, like which one's better. Right. And I can usually get it on the first pass. Do you like, would you do put yourself in the client's headspace where like, they'd like this cause this yeah. speaks to, that's what it is. Right. So almost like you have to think outside your own head and what the client, like look through it like the lens of your client. Yeah. So sometimes I'll like be going through and like, like all these photos need to be there. And like, this is obviously the ones like, right. But every like couple hundred there's like, okay, this one, um, it's only if I was going to delete one, it's like, Oh, this photo's not, um, whatever. But I'm like, ah, you know what? No, because the, the, this client is going to like this one, even though like this person's blinking or, or this like weird things going oh, on in the wow. background and it's not as clean because like I was, especially for like a wedding, it's yeah. like, I really know them now. And I'm like, Oh, they're going to like this one. They're not going to care that that's like, that there was like this mistake. That's wild. That like you have that, like, I don't know if it's psychology, but that, you know, the client that well, you'd be like, they would like this, but they wouldn't like this. Like, do you get to know them very well before you shoot a wedding, for example? Yeah. You do, really? Yeah, and even um, even if I didn't get to know them, even if I got to know them on the wedding day, I'm adding the pictures after the wedding day, so then I know what to go. Right, yeah. Through. Like, I kind of know what they want more, but usually with, like, a wedding client, like, we'll have a meeting, and they'll book. So I just met them, and we hung out for an hour. And we really got to know each other, because, like, with weddings, you have to really connect. It's not a family shoot. Like, I'm not only with you for 40 minutes at a park, and, like, we're just doing these pictures. Like, I'm capturing, like, the biggest day of your life. Yeah. So, like, we really have to have a connection. Um, I feel like for, like, family photos, like, anybody will book me. But for weddings, it's, like, we we have, like, this, like, I could be their friend. Yeah, wow. You know? Because then, or they won't book like when you don't have that connection, like those people don't book you and like, that's okay. Does that ever happen where you meet and they just don't book you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Not, that, not like more often than not, they do. Right. Yeah. But, but does that like, does that, does that hit you at all? You're like, no, that's, that's, that's business. That's how it goes. That's really? How it goes, yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. It's in, I never thought about that. Like I just, I'm not a photographer obviously, but I never thought about that, that there's that, there's that connection, you, but it would be important. Usually if it gets to the meeting, like if they're coming here and we're sitting down it's usually be a go. like usually they're gonna book um but yeah like sometimes they don't and like i'm i'm always like yeah like best of luck with your day like i understand i can think of a million reasons why like sure you you know you like this from this person more you had a better connection with them or yeah. or this or that um i always wish them the best because like things go wrong what if um something happens with that photographer or whatever and they need to come back to me yeah, well, you never know. You're not like, well, screw you then. It's like, now you just burn that bridge. Like, yeah, yeah totally. So I'm always like nice about it. And then uh, I do video too. Right, yeah. And video usually books like a year after photo. It's like more of an afterthought to a lot of people. Um, so like when you're booking wedding, you always do date and venue, photographer. Okay, oh, wow. And then you go through everything else. Those are like the two most important things. Wow, wow. Yeah, they would be too. And like, then video is like really low on the list. So like um, photo weddings, I book like two years in advance. But video, I'll book like the year of. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, you know, we decided we wanted a video. So that's the thing, too. Like, if somebody doesn't book me for photo, 
Yeah, maybe in a year. They'll call for video. Call for yeah. video. And I'll do it for video. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, it stresses me out, though. Like, that that would be stress. Like, this is someone, like you said, the biggest day of their life. And, like, you're the one who's going to have the photos that will forever be in the family photo album. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at my mom and dad's photos. I'm like, that's... They had Spike Bell. They, they, he shot their their uh, photos. Really? Back in the day, his yeah. His book right on the shelf. Oh, you got his book, yeah. 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 I always thought that was cool. Like, oh, man, Spike Bell shot my parents. My mom and dad back in the 70s, they got married. Man. But, uh, yeah, it's cool stuff. So you're you're that guy now. Like, you're that guy. Like, I know. You know what I mean? That's wild. That's really cool. I love shooting weddings. It's very, like, it's, it's like, meaningful. It feels like you're, like, you're doing something important. Yeah. You know, like, that's more important than, like, shooting real estate. Like, it's fun, and I like it, and it's, like... It's money and it's business and that's all cool. But like wedding has like something more. Like oh it has yeah. All those things. But it's also like you're doing something like important. Yeah. Just like teaching. Like you're, you're, you're impacting somebody a little bit further than a paycheck. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The like talking to people that I had in my class, it's just like, like when they, when I, when you circle back and you see like, this is so neat that, like, you were for a couple months in time, you were that teacher, and that's, you're always going to be that teacher, you know what I mean? I I Because I, I have very vivid memories of all my teachers from grade school, every teacher I've had, and I know the really good ones, the ones who spoke to me, I know the ones who were, who were like, good teachers, they didn't stand out to me necessarily, but it's like, yeah, they were okay, I didn't have a problem, I have horrible teachers too, not as many, yeah, but there's same. two that were just like, I look back and I'm like, they were... They were jerks. Like, yeah. they weren't good teachers. They didn't care. They didn't encourage. They didn't foster anything. Like bully kids. Bully kids. Like, they didn't like me for whatever. Like, whatever. Yeah. And I wasn't a bad kid. But I, I, I know those teachers, too. And I thought, God, just try not to like be. like the art kids, you They know? didn't like the art kids. Yeah. I wrote a, like, writing. I, I, the one thing in life that I can kind of sometimes say that I'm decent at is writing sometimes. Is writing. Yeah. I, and I have a problem saying I'm good at anything. It's a weird, <laughs> stupid thing that I'm dealing with. But I have trouble saying, oh, I'm good at this. But writing, I kind of have confidence sometimes when I write. And, um there was a teacher I wrote this short story we had to write in eighth grade about our bio we had to write an autobiography so I wrote this story and it only had to be a page and a half and mine ended up being like 35 pages like I went off on it I got descriptive I did a chapter it was like a little mini book and I was like I love this this is so cool it was a memoir she and she refused this teacher refused to give me an A on anything I never got an A in her class uh, even sometimes on math, like one plus one is two math, <laughs> she would mistakenly give me a B and I'd go through it and be like, I think I got an A on this. And she'd be like, oh, sorry, you did get an A. I'm like, so my creative writing thing that I did, 35 pages, I put effort in this. I look at it today and it's like, for eighth grade, that was pretty decent writing. It was good. Like it was, mm-hmm. I ready for this? Not an A. I got a B plus plus. Two pluses, not an A. She would not give me an A. A B plus plus doesn't even exist. <laughs> Like, higher than a B plus would be an A, not a B. We'll just add an extra plus because heaven forbid I give him an A. And it's like, why did she do that? Like, she just had this thing with me, like, don't give him an A, like, whatever you do. And it's like, I look back and it's like, God, but that hits your self-esteem when you're a kid. Like, it's like, I guess I suck, you know, and that's writing and like, that's what I like to do. So it's like, guess I won't. You don't venture into that in high school. Luckily, I did, and it was fine. Yeah, but it's like it's like what 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 did you not like about me? It's just it's weird. How do you not like that. a child? In if if that's funny is like I don't mind saying this. I had a lot of teachers in grade school who were just assholes. Yeah, and in high school it wasn't that bad at all. I don't really I don't think I had one teacher in high school who was an asshole. And almost every teacher I had in grade school was an asshole, except really? for like a select few. Just like they were like bullies and like mean. How are you mean to a child under the age of 13? I don't get it. I don't get it. That doesn't even make sense. Like, I would think that teachers in high school would be a little bit meaner because, like, these kids are are, are little assholes You're shooting attitude at them. Yeah, the the kids are going to shoot you attitude. I I never had one teacher in in high school that made me feel like a 
teacher in, in grade school. Wow. Yeah. High school, wow. they were all cool. And then in college, um, like there's some high school teachers that like I still talk to today. Like they're great. And like, I'm still like kind of close with them. And then college, I think like all my, you were one of my teachers, and, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, in college, like everybody was great too. It's yeah. weird that it's like that. Eh? It is really, it is really weird. I found that too. I connected with a lot of my high school teachers as well. And uh, grade school, uh, grade school, I had uh, a few who I connected to in a strong way as well but high school a lot i keep in touch with a few of them as well one in particular my my creative writing teacher oh really she was great like you know it was an oac it was grade 13 we, we had that back then and uh she was i love that class it was writer's craft and uh she was great and she was somebody who really gave me a huge boost because i wrote a lot of essays and stuff in in high school english and i was really good at writing essays too but it was very technical it's, I'm, I'm writing it about whatever like to kill a mockingbird or shakespeare or whatever so i was good at i always got a's in english um, and then creative writing, writer's craft, I was like, ooh, this isn't like so much technical. It's more creative. So this is all me now. There's, I don't have to reference or, or prove my thesis. There's none of that yeah. stuff. It's just, what do you want to do? So I found it exciting but scary. And I wrote a story. And I remember the first time, it was the very first story I submitted to her. And it was about me as a kid. I don't know why I was like, always going nostalgia route. And it was me and uh, it was a true story too. She said, write about a universal truth. And my universal truth was we always want what we can't have or what we're told we can't have. We want to go for it. So my story was, I like to layer everything in humor. Um, when I was a kid, me and my friend Michael, again, we're back with a porn for whatever reason, but I, we, we wanted to like have, I had really beautiful penmanship in, in grade school and we wrote this letter to this corner store. I wrote it saying to whom it may concern with that. Oh yeah, that sounds really good. We're like grade six to whom it may concern. I hereby grant my nephew, Dan permission to purchase a porn magazine. So, and we submitted this, we brought this letter to the store and the guy's like, like laughing, like this is BS, like no uncle would get like a sign. I'm, I'm his uncle and I give him permission to buy a porno magazine. Your uncle too, like not your parents. <laughs> not my parents, but I'm going to throw my uncle out of the bus. So I wrote a story about that and I made it very funny and kind of got colorful with the language, you know, brought myself back. Yeah. And um, I submitted it to her. So the first day everyone came up and we had to go one-on-one -on -one with the teacher and she would ask us, what do you think you got? And I was like, on, as a grade. And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, uh, I'm like a C. Like, I, I don't know what I would have got. It's creative writing. I haven't really done a whole lot where it's been like uh, marked before. And then she goes, no. She's like, you got an A. Like, you got a, you got, I think I got an A plus on it. She's like, she's like, you, like, you have a talent. Like, you do have a talent. You know that, right? She's like, obviously you should know that. She's like, you wrote this. Like, did you not enjoy writing this? Like, it looks like you had fun writing this. And I'm like, yeah. I did. And she goes, She's like, then lean into that. She's like, if you're having fun, she's like, whatever it is you liked about doing this, like, lean into that and do it more. And I was like, that's really good advice. That is really good advice. Right? Like, just whatever brings you joy, like, lean into that and, like, just do that. And if this doesn't bring you joy writing about that, then don't write about that. Like, mm -hmm. write about this in this voice. And I use that every time. Like, am I liking where this is going? Like, I like where this is going, so I'll lean into that. So that's that's been advice I've kept from her, like, from that day. And it was a confidence boost. Like, I thought I had a C, and I... It was only because I didn't know. Yeah. Like, I just didn't know. I'm like, I don't know a C. I don't want to be pompous. Oh, I think I got an A+. Plus. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know a C. Like, I don't know how good it is. Like, I, it's hard to rate your own stuff sometimes, For you know? For sure. But, yeah, I, I st that, that stuck with me from the teacher, from from Mrs. Batter. Her name was, is, is. She's still around. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's cool. It's funny when you, like, there's always, like, those small little moments that you can, like, really, that you, like, you think about that on that one thing. All the days you spend in school. Yeah. So much of your life wasted. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then that's the one thing that is, A little like, the most side important. thing. Yeah, yeah. A little side thing that they just happened to say to you that resonated better than, I don't remember a single lesson of that school, that class, you know what I mean, of what we talked about, but that little one-on-one -on -one that she said to me, because it was so 
personal and authentic, like spoke to me. So I'll never forget that. I'll even tell people that I've even said that in podcasting, like do what you love, like do a podcast, do something you can, something that you can talk about. I forget how I framed yeah. it, but I did something like, I would have said something like that in podcasting. Yeah. I didn't find what I loved until just after high school. And uh, I kind of always wanted to do something creative, but I, I always would like pick things up and put them down and pick things up and put them down. And yeah. then you just never kind of got anywhere. And then, um, high school ended and it was, uh, I think it was like December. So like that next December. And I was like, in that whole time, like that whole summer, I took a year off. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do. And I dabbled with photography a couple times over that like past year. And I was like, ah, I like this. And I really like going out and being out. And that's like an art that you can do when you're out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which like, sometimes I wish that I had something that I didn't have to go out to do. But uh, I was like, I'm going to buy a camera. And I still remember the house I bought my first camera from on Kijiji. Oh, get out. It's just off the expressway near Walker. I should go back and knock on their door and be like, yeah. you sold me my first camera. That'd uh, be really cool. That would be amazing. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> call the police. There's someone at the door. Yeah. Um, and, and then I was like, I'm not allowed to stop. I'm not allowed to stop doing it. Like, cause I always pick, you know, put things up and yeah. pick them down and I still haven't stopped. Wow. That's great. Like what kept you to that when you said, I'm, I'm not allowed to stop. Like what, what kept you like true to that rule that you set for yourself? Mm, I think I only had to force myself for like the first, I told myself I couldn't stop, which really like allowed me to dive into it. And I kept telling myself like over that first year, no, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. And then I just like really fell in love with it mm. from making myself not being able to stop. Yeah. And then since then I've never even wanted to stop. Good. That's great. Like, that's, that's like the only thing I want to do. Did it ever. And that's, that's so cool that you got to that. Did it ever feel like, and even in the beginning, like, uh, like it was like, Oh God, I got it. I got to do it. Like it's almost like a chore. No, yeah. good. God, that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. And now it really does. And it's so funny. Like I'll work a long day as a photographer. I'll shoot for, I'll do 10 hour day. It'll be brutal. I'll be all tired. I finish a meeting. I get back. It's like eight o'clock. I'm tired. And then I sit down and I'm like, ah, what do I want to do? And I'm <laughs> like, uh, well, I better go work on those California pictures. I guess that's like the only, th or like look through a photo book or like go like watch a documentary or like a YouTube video on somebody. Like that's like literally the only thing that I want really? to do. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's funny writing. And I've heard this from other writers. Everyone's different, I think. But with writing for me, it's the weirdest thing because it, it does sometimes feel like a chore. But at the same time, every time I do it, it's um like I love doing it. But I, I literally have to, I almost, it's weird. I almost dread it. It, and I've heard other writers say this. I almost dread sitting down, like and like getting. I even have to do things. I'm like, I have to make sure like things are clean and there's nothing in the I sink. Know, and me too. Like otherwise, I feel guilty or something. I don't know yeah, what that is. When I sit down at my desk, everything around me has to be clean. Only for personal work, not for work. Work. It can be a mess. Sure. Yeah. But for personal work, everything has to be clean. Yeah, I need <laughs> clean surfaces. Like okay, now I can do it. And then I'm always like, oh, here goes. Then the minute I start doing this, I'm like, okay, now I'm in it. And I'm like, what was I dreading? Like what? But it's like pulling teeth, getting me to do it. I, I force myself to, I like, I sit down, I even have, uh, I even have writing dates with people where I'll go to a coffee shop with somebody and they're writers too. And we will just sit, we'll have like a drink, a coffee. Then it's like, okay, now let's do our thing. We go, we put headphones on and go in our own little world mm -hmm. and just do it. And it's like, it's great. Cause it got me out. I might not have written if I didn't do that little date, but it gets me there and yeah. it, it helps. It's huge. Actually. So that's, that's funny. So after hearing you say that there is sometimes there's things with like my personal work that, um, that I dread and I, I've learned that like you, you, you only dread it when you're thinking about it Yeah. because you don't, when you're being creative, you don't know where to start. 
And that's what I dread. Yes, thank you. That's what, like, where do you even, what's the vision? And once you get the vision, you're good. Then you're good. You're on a train then, and it's like, well, now it's working itself now. It always only takes a couple minutes, though. Yeah, But you're always like, right now, I have to make the cover for my book, and I have no idea which picture, which font, which color font. Do I want it to wrap over the spine? Do I want it to wrap over the back? What do I want on the spine? What do I want on the back? So many things. Oh, it's overwhelming. But I know that... I just don't think about it. Right. And then I know that that's the next thing on my to-do list for my art. So like either tonight or tomorrow night, I'm going to sit down and I have to do it. And then watch 10 minutes later, I'll be like, oh yeah, this is it. Yeah. And that's wild. eh? I, I heard somebody say something once too. And it's, they said, if you're nervous or anxious about something, a brain hack is your body and like that weird little rumble in your stomach, that butterfly and the, that whole like, oh God, oh God, oh God, the, the, the hesitancy or the dread they say the physical reaction that you experience when you're experiencing dread or anxiousness or nervousness, just tell your brain it's not dread or anxiety, it's excitement. Mm. And they say it's the exact same, the shakes, that nervous flutter. They say you get that when you're looking forward to doing something. So trick your brain and just say, I'm not dreading, I'm, I'm really itching to do it. And that's what this weird little eh is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? They, and I, I've been trying to actually apply that. Like, it's, it's like... It's what we started the conversation with. Where do you get nervous? Like you get nervous because you care, mm-hmm. and you don't want your book cover to be like like that's it's be perfect. important. Like that's what people see. Like judge a book by its cover. We do judge a book by its <laughs> yeah. cover. We do. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. looks appealing. I'm going to pick that up. So you want it to be perfect. And mm-hmm. like if you screw it up, so it's pressure. But if you're more like, oh, I can't wait to dive in and create an awesome book cover. That's why I'm feeling this way. It kind of hacks your brain a bit. That's a good idea. I'm, I'm trying to like hone that. And it's, it's working with the writing. It's like, no, I'm not dreading it. I'm excited to write because I don't know where this story is going to go, but it's going to go somewhere cool. Yeah. So it's like, let's do this. Let's do it that way. So all of these things are easier said than done. And yes. even after this conversation, we're still going to have these exact same struggles oh, next week. I'll be like, <laughs> I got to clean everything before I can write. And my, that'll be my delaying and procrastination and stuff. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? Every, every Every, every artist, like over time, sometimes I feel like, um, I'm like, is my life too good to make good art? Cause I look oh. at these people and like, they had some like messed up situations and that's like the best photographer or the best writer. And they were in like these like really crazy situations. And I'm like, is that why everything was so good? Mm. You'd never be great if you're comfy. God, there's, there's a horrible quote. It's terrible, but it's like, <laughs> I, I hear it all the time. And there, somebody was saying it was some, I forget who the artist was, but they were saying, they don't have any trauma in their childhood. They, they aren't an addict in any way. They don't struggle. They have a happy relationship. There's no heartache. And a lot of the best songs are about, you know, mm-hmm. something horrible, a breakup. Like the breakup songs are always the big, like something traumatic that happened to you. Uh, and they said, how can I make, uh, how can I make anything good? And somebody said, uh, they said, I'm not even an addict in anything. And someone said, well, you know, heroin, uh, heartache and heroin never hurt my record collection. <laughs> and it's like, but I don't think that's true though. I, I really don't think that's true. But I thought that was, God, that's a sad thing to say that, you know, heroin and heartache you need that to make good art you really don't no you don't like you don't i think that's just a it's it's a weird trap we we make we put in our head like you you have to be an addict you have to have some kind of trauma not to say a lot of great art does come from that but i think art great art can come from anywhere if you're inspired the right way yeah because look at the best musicians of all time the beatles yeah i don't remember besides i know that paul mccartney's mom died when he was younger and that's something everybody uh, you know a lot of people go through that yeah a parent or i don't remember hearing anything too too crazy about him or john lennon though no they're the two best songwriters musicians of all time 
Yeah. So, and you don't hear about a whole lot of drama with them other no. than like, like just typical whatever stuff. But yeah, yeah, there wasn't any crazy train wreck. But yeah, you look at some of the, some of my favorites, they, they came from very traumatic places. Yeah. Like Kurt Cobain. Yeah. The stuff he went through. Oh my God. And the stories. Did you watch that documentary? All of them. Oh uh, yeah. The one that Francis Bean had a part in. Yeah. I forget what it was called. Uh, is, that's not, um, uh, um. It even had some animation to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. beautiful. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a song. Um, here, I'm going to look it up Is it called now. Something in the Way? No. Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm in, I'm, I'm, this is me. Montage being, of Heck. Thank you. Yes, amazing. Amazing. That was my favorite one of, of the yes. Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. And, I have Soaked in Bleach, which is about his murder and everything, right, which yeah. is like totally different. But Montage of Heck is like the, oh, fuck. It's That's good. the best one. And Frances mm-hmm. Bean had a part in that, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, she did something. She produced or something. But yeah, that that was the that was very inspiring. You know, she's never really listened to their music. That blows my mind. She likes two songs. She likes Dumb because she thinks that's like, she can like really like feel her, her dad. She feels like that was like, he was really true when he wrote that. Mm. And there was one other one. But yeah. It's nice. Wow, that blows my mind. Well, even to think of who her parents were. Like, my God, your your mom was Courtney Love and your dad was Kurt Cobain. <laughs> like, holy cow. Like, yeah. that blows, like, that's one of the most iconic rock and roll kids ever. You and know, she like, looks exactly like them. Like the she's a fusion yeah. of like she. Sometimes it's like God, she's total Kurt Cobain. Then other times they're like you're straight up Courtney Love, or like a weird fusion of the two. It's so bizarre. And she looks like the number one Nirvana fan. Oh yeah, like, the way she dresses and everything. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. Like she grew up to be. It's you know. so cool. Yeah, I, I, lo- I, lo- I love them. Love Do you that. think that she played any part in his death or no? Courtney Love. Yeah. No, I don't. No, like, don't. I, I, I love reading conspiracy theories. I think they're really interesting. But I honestly think it was so chaotic with what they were kind of going through, where their heads were with the money. I don't know. Like, I, I think, I, I think he, the, like I said, the conspiracy theories are fun, but um, fun isn't the right word. But I, I think he's somebody who took his own life. Yeah. That's that's my true, honest to goodness feeling. Like just seeing the way he was and not that I knew him at all, you know, I didn't know him, but like just seeing the stuff he'd write about the stuff he'd talk about the, the kind of the mental tug of war he had with certain things. I just seem, he seems like the, his heroin addiction, like yeah. he had stomach issues, like all the stuff that kind of weighs down and causes a lot of depression. It seems like he had all that. And yeah, it was like, it one seems of those like he things. had that since he was a kid. Yeah, it does. And so. yeah, the whole life, it kind of, it makes sense. You see things like Sinead O'Connor, who was another huge idol of mine, and, it, and it's sad to say this, but when, when I found out she died, and I've loved her since day one, like, she was Sinead O'Connor. Like, she was so, she reminds me a lot of Kurt Cobain. She was so authentic, almost to a fault, because she would say exactly, like, she was so pure, I found her. And when I heard she passed away, I knew right away. They didn't even announce how she, you know, but I, I knew right away. I'm like, and... It's horrible. It's shocking. I can't believe it, but absolutely I can believe it. Yeah. Like this is like, she's had so many breakdowns and so many struggles with her mental health and the things she would write about the way she'd get so emotional and cry about different things that were going on and the things she stood up for. I think she took on everything and the, and she got beat up for it. The world was steamrolling her records because she ripped up a picture of the Pope because of covered up child abuse. And it's like, literally she was talking about everyone is screaming, protect the children these days. That's literally what she was doing. But she also stood up for a lot of human rights. So everyone is like this bald headed bitch, like get her out of here. Steamroll. It's like, hello. She ripped at the Pope to draw attention that there's abuse in the church and it's being covered up. How could you hate her for that? And if years later, she was right. She got beat up by everybody. Of course, what happened happened like that. I can't imagine the heaviness of that on her. Like, she was a punching bag and like everything she stood for was so 
unbelievably noble that nobody wanted to talk about when she did they were afraid of it because it was so true that was a black mirror she was holding up at people like it was and she was holding it firmly like two middle fingers this is you fuckers you know what i mean and everyone spat in her face banned her steamrolled her cds get this bald bitch back to ireland like she got canceled before canceling was a thing she got canceled hard like, did you ever see that Saturday Night Live episode? You should watch it. She sings a solo a cappella version of Bob Marley's War. Okay. And she does it beautifully. And you can see in her eyes something is about to happen. And then she pulls out that picture of the Pope and says, fight the real enemy and rips it. And the audience just goes dead. Like, live on TV. Dead quiet. And, like, I'm gonna watch it. destroyed <laughs> after that. Like, she was just annihilated. Like... It, yep, it, that it, was yeah. It was wild and like it was shocking. This is back in nineteen ninety ninety two, I think. But uh, what a moment that was! I remember the night that happened. I was watching it on TV and I was just like, "Oh my god!" And the people who people who knew some people got it. Other people were like she's doing it for attention. It's like no, she doesn't care. Like she just committed career suicide, literally, and it did. It, it that she was the biggest person in the world for a while. There was nothing compares to you. Like she was the she was the one. Like Sinead O'Connor, she her, she had a voice like nobody else. Uh, to see her live, I had the chance to see her live. Very fortunate to see her twice live. I've never seen someone sing the way she could sing. She'd pull the microphone away, and you'd hear her voice bouncing off the ceiling and back down at you. Wow. Like, it blew your mind. And she was teensy tiny with a little head like this. Like, <laughs> it was wild. But, like, there's... I, Kurt Cobain and her, they remind me a lot of each other. This, their style of writing and everything. Sometimes I feel like um, these heroes, like these, these... Especially, like, these art... Like, these figures, they need to die young. Somebody, somebody I was talking to once was, uh, they gave a computer term. It was some computer term, and they said it's the uh, such and such theory anyway. And they said it's almost like a computer when it's, it does this thing before it dies. It, it, it peaks, and it's working at max. Like it, it's working super efficiently. Like it's, it's full steam ahead. It's working so efficiently and so on point, and everything's fast and quick, and then it just, it burns out. And this guy said, I forget who it was, but he said um, some celebrities who have died young they did so much in a short period of time. They were working at that max capacity, and then it was like Boom. burnout. Like, because yeah. you 27 hit it. Twenty seven club. Twenty seven club. You hit it so hard, so fast. Like you did it. You peaked, and then like you're you're gone. Like I, I got six weeks left of the twenty seven club. Are you twenty yeah. seven? Oh wow. Well, hopefully you're not part of the twenty seven <laughs> club. Let's not jinx this. I. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I because it's like my rock and roll birthday. I saw the Sheepdogs the night before. Like I turned twenty seven at the Sheepdog show. Oh sweet. At L Club. Which oh, was, I love that venue. Was was amazing. Do you have a favorite venue? L Club. Is it L Club? Well, is okay. So favorite venue um, in Detroit is L Club because like the sh- uh, even if you don't like the band, even if you don't yeah. know the bands, yep. just go to a show at L Club. It'll be fun. Yeah, totally. Um, and then yeah, that's L Club. A, that's for a Detroit. that's an old school vibe. L Club. Mm-hmm. That's what it. That's what it was all about. Like that's a scene. Yeah. I love what they've done. I've seen uh, the Sheepdogs there, and I've seen Twin Peaks there. Oh, sweet. Uh, which was sick. I actually saw them with Zach and Robbie from Hutch, like, in 2016, years ago. It was oh, awesome. Wow. They were handed out. They only had their, um, what's the small CD, the EP? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had only their EP, no full length wow. yet, and they gave it to the singer when we were there. Oh, man, that's wild. And um, who else? And I saw Ezra Furman there. Do you know oh, them? I do, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was amazing. <sighs> I've, I've, I've seen them twice um, there and in Toronto at the Horseshoe Tavern. Oh, classic. That's like a legendary venue, that place. That is one of the best musicians that is unknown 
in in today's time. Yeah. Fuck. So like that's like one of those like we're like really really hardcore, but not singing about stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Fuck. So good. Oh yeah. That's no. somebody. You know what's funny? You said you saw Jack White in the crowd. Yeah. What at the Ezra show? The openers. They were standing next to me. Oh, like, cool. So I was like. Did you say anything? No. I just wanted to leave him alone. Yeah, it's I, that's why I didn't want to say anything either. It's like, it's annoying. I don't want to be that annoying guy, you know? And Ezra Furman doesn't look like a normal person. Like, the big jewel, like, looks like a musician. Right, It looks yeah. like somebody that's famous. So, like, I'm like, they're going to stand out here the way they're dressed you're not gonna they're not gonna last very long i think they only lasted for like a couple songs uh, especially because they were the headliner so everybody yeah. knew and they were just like they're like peeking their head around and then oh and, go you, and they can see when that's happening yeah. totally yeah so i try to like keep it quiet i'm like i wonder how many songs they can get through before yeah. they get and that's that's like, cool boom. though see I, I had i had that happen once i was at majestic theater going to see uh this band this uh, musician named T uh, tanya donnelly and the 90s she was in a bunch of my favorite band she was in throwing muses the breeders and belly and they were like groundbreaking alternative bands she's like a she's a very uncelebrated voice in alternative rock of the 90s so i went to majestic theater to see her and before that we went to have dinner at majestic cafe and then i look i was like oh my god like what i'm like tanya donnelly is sitting at that table my friends like, well don't and i was like i'm not going to approach her at the table like not a chance that's just so tacky like while yeah. she's eating like i'm not doing that but i was like oh my god so i had the perfect view so i was like side-eyeing trying not to <laughs> never made eye contact so it was like i was like that's so cool so then in everything in my being i wanted to go up and say hi because i've loved her since i was literally in grade nine and then um then she went to pay and wouldn't you know it, I'm literally, our table was right behind the cash register. And there was somebody in line here. So she stops right here next to me, like right standing, facing. And then my friend, and she was just, she was kind of bored too. She was kind of just like looking around. You could tell she wasn't really yeah. engaged in anything. And my friend looks at me and goes, okay, say something. <laughs> and I was like, hey, like Tanya. I'm like, she's like, oh, hi. And I was like, I'm really excited for your show tonight. I can't wait. Like, and she's like, oh, thank you. We had this little mini conversation. And I really don't think she was bothered by it because she was so kind of just having that nothing's going on moment. Yeah. I still felt weird doing that, but it was, it was a trip though, seeing her out in public like that. Somebody I've listened to since I was a kid and bought the magazines and yeah. read about her. It's like, there she is right here next to me. Like if I don't say hi, like, and hello, it's the venue. Like you have to expect everyone in here is here to see, see you. your show. You're uh, inches from me. I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, yeah. I really dig your music. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it'd be weird not to, I would think, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go to her table, but when you're standing next to me now, like it's like, now you're almost in my space. I'm going to, I'm going to say hello to you, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing that I wouldn't, I, I feel weird about approaching people. I see them out too. I've I've been with you in public, and a lot of people do that to you too. They have like the same thing. They're like, yesterday I heard somebody is that Dan? Is that Dan? Oh, did and you? Like, really? I heard a whispering, and then like they they're probably doing the same thing. Should I say hi? Probably gets bugged all the time. You know. Oh, I love I love that though. I love it when people say hi. It's yeah. the best. It's usually if it's a guy, it's usually my wife really loves you. <laughs> yesterday I had a bunch of uh, doing their open streets. I had a bunch of guys like throughout the day like. Can I get a selfie with you? Because my wife really, really likes you. I'm like, God, do any, do any guys like my show? It's all wives and or a lot of people, but it's younger people. My mom really likes you. <laughs> so like, and I'm like, oh, this, this, these two hip girls came up and I was like, 
like, oh, sweet. It's like, it's hip young people who like me. They're like, hey, are you Dan? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, can we get a photo with you? Or my mom really likes you. And be like, of course you can. Tell your mom I said hello. And then I'm thankful that she listens to me. And I, I, I think it's so much fun. Like I, I, you can never, you can never like, appro- not that I'm anywhere near that kind of caliber, but you can never approach me and I'll, I will never be angry. Like I love it when people are like, I listen to you and I love you on the radio. Like, that's great. Like that's such a cool little bonus perk of the job. It's so fun talking to people. I think for you, like a lot of people know your face, but it's more your voice. Yeah. And I think it's, it's cause I've been like at my shows even. Um, I remember last time, like we were talking and then people heard you and then came. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Are you Dan? So, 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 sometimes, I think sometimes it's not till you talk. So if you don't, yeah. you don't want to get, if you ever don't want to get bugged, I think just don't talk. Yeah, don't talk. Be you invisible. Be okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't hide from the voice. It's uh, it's one of those things. Yeah, because people probably, a lot of people probably hear you talking. They're like, oh, I know that voice. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It happens. It happens uh, almost every time I go out and I, if I order food or something, people are like, like, I'll see a table like, oh, you like, and it's like oh it, it, it's the coolest thing though like, it's really like it's it's a nearly neat thing it is cool when somebody you don't know comes up to you right yeah, like so cool it's yeah. the, it's really really it's yeah it's like it's weird like i don't want to be like oh i love it you know who i am i would never be like that guy but it, i i nerd out a little bit when someone says oh i listen to you i'm a fan it's kind of cool i try to be like it never it, it happens to me like once a year somebody will be like oh I, I follow you or whatever and i don't know who they are and i always like feel bad and i'm just like and i try to like ask them questions and be like oh like what do you do like do you do this and do you and i try to like do it back you totally know? yeah 100 <laughs> percent. bad if i don't know them and i'm like yeah i just want to like talk to anybody I, the, I, at the <laughs> Rosalie Trombley thing at the end of the like the end of the statue unveiling a couple a guy and a girl came up to me and they were probably a bit younger than me I said oh we listen to you every day uh big fans I was like oh cool and she said oh my name is uh, Melissa I think and he introduced himself I said oh hey I'm, I'm Dan like because you know I'm Melissa I'm Dan they're like yeah we know but I was like I just feel I have to still introduce like we're actually physically meeting so I'm going to introduce myself <laughs> you know what I mean like it's it'd be weird just like oh of course you know who I am I'm not going to even bother saying my name but it, yeah. it's it's a weird thing I struggle with too I was I always like to engage too because end of the day it's just you know everyone's just a person and it's neat you're in you like when people are looking at your artwork they they put you on a different like pedestal you know if you admire someone like you have fans like my my friend who i showed you when we were on the break there like he literally i said i was coming to your podcast and he snaps a photo look whose book i bought today that was pure coincidence like he just happened to buy your book today so you have fans like you know what i mean it's it's cool people people look up to you definitely yeah uh, that that's doesn't that stress you out (laughs) knowing you have fans (laughs) it stresses me out in a way that i don't want to do anything stupid right like i don't tell i don't tell anybody to like f off anymore if somebody like because people like people will snap a photo it's gonna be on video so I, I don't do I'm just like the sweetest pie and when I say that I'm not being fake you're you know like I mean? me exactly yeah but yeah. I'm like I can't like bitch at somebody or mm-hmm. shoot the finger at somebody if they cut me off in traffic because someone's gonna be like that was Dan McDonald he shot the finger and blah 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 and yep. then I then you end up getting canceled well, I mouthed off on Facebook or not Facebook and Twitter once and that went viral my little bitch fest I had at somebody who was being snippy with me and I was like wow that was lesson learned and maybe I was a bit out of line with what I said mm-hmm. not that much though to be honest I really wasn't it yeah. kind of it was kind of freaking deserving what I said I don't I, I'm fine with it but it went viral and it, it was not good attention and that was a I'm kind of grateful for it because it was a good learning lesson mm-hmm. and my motto now is play to the love like mm-hmm. play, kind of like that lean into what gives you joy play to the love do what you love and the negativity is noise one of my favorite 
artists of all time who I probably talked about in podcasting is Liz Fair, and she yeah. was a big indie queen in the 1990s. Then she kind of sold out. Now she's kind of dialing it back yeah, a she's bit. She's like your favorite. She's I my favorite. 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 I love. I'm going to see her in November. I can't. She's doing my favorite <laughs> record, Exile in Guyville. But um, she has a great quote that I that I stand by. It says, "Once I really listened, the noise just fell away." And I try to th- think things of like negativity, like that's noise. It's going to be negative. It's going to feed that voice of self doubt in your own head. So don't pay attention to it. Just listen to what your gut is telling you. What brings you joy? The people who are going to be healthy to be around and lean into that. And that's where your your happy place is. You're for never sure. going to please please everybody. You're no, not for sure. Uh, your favorite. Uh, uh, piece that you do your favorite photo won't be someone else's or something that sells really well someone's gonna hate it the Beatles the best band in the world I agree there's gonna be somebody out there who hates the Beatles mm-hmm. and that's just and you can't please everyone but you can please some so play to that play to that love and you're kind of golden in a way so I, I look at it as a positive like that you can tell somebody to F off it keeps because after you do that you always regret it anyway it never feels good yeah, yeah. so I'm always like yeah you know what it's I'm glad that like I have this thing in the back of my mind that like keeps you to just be nice and chill yep it's funny today i pulled up to my first shoot nine o'clock in the morning parked on the street parking spot this guy i get out of the car this guy's staring at me i was like can can, can i help can i help you <laughs> and he's like what are you doing and i was like uh, and obviously i just wanted to say um f off none of your freaking business yeah, yeah and i was like but i was working i was shooting a house across the street what if that's his house i don't know yeah so i was just like oh i'm just you know working he's like well well uh He's like, well, you can't park here. And I was like, but, but I, I, I think you can park here. And he's like, I have people coming to my, he's like, I don't like people parking in front of my house, like park down the street. And I was like, I just wanted to be like, uh, no, and shut that door. But then I was like, oh, what if it's like this guy's house I'm shooting? What if this is like his best friend is his right. neighbor yeah. or something? So I just moved the car up and I was like, and then later I was like, and that guy had nothing to do with this neighbor. And I was like, oh, that guy was just an asshole. Like I should have, right, I, I should have yeah. said no or whatever. But then like later in the day, I was like, you know what? I didn't have to deal with anything at yeah. all. I just moved my car, went inside. Is it like, going to change your life? Guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a matter of picking your battles kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. Is this the hill you want to die on over? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I get it. Day. Yeah. Waste your day. It's negative energy. Like play to just, just freaking. I mean, there's a line where you kind of also have to stand up. If someone's being a complete, you know, abusive bully, you got to stand up. But of course you kind of got to, do I want to die on this hill? Is this going to affect my life at all? If I ignore or don't say anything or have that last little F you back at you? Yeah. Like, Probably not. So let's just not even do it. You know, it's it's a healthy way to be. I think it's it's a challenge though. It is a challenge, but it's a good. I think it's a good way to be. Honestly, the if the more I if I got in my car and I moved in, it took ten seconds out of my day. Yeah. If I would have sat there and argued with him, he would have wasted my valuable time. Yeah, and I know that guy just has a miserable life anyway so whatever so stewing it dude it. like stewing yeah. it and enjoy like you know what i mean i got other things to do yeah. so later <laughs> exactly <laughs> totally um well on that note yeah, um, yeah. i think it's probably time we wrap it up oh man that flew by that was that was a lot of fun <laughs> thank you very much for coming on i appreciate it it's my honor truly i love doing this it's great and your place looks really really cool this is a, an amazing space so congratulations thank you. Thank you. on everything it's really cool watching you do this thanks i'd love yeah. to have you back one day so anytime i'm always here man anytime we okay Hey, thanks guys. That was fun, man. Thanks. That was very fun. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah, I had a blast. Thank you very much. Oh, God, that was great.